Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Saskatchewan's number one sports talk show is on. And now, starting an hour earlier, welcome inside the Radio Octagon. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Here's your host, Michael Ball. And welcome to the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. And it's brought to you by our good friends over there at Sask Lotteries, the main fundraiser for over 12,000 sport, culture, and recreation groups. Why don't you send us a text right now? Sponsored by the Capital Auto Mall, 936-6262. Weighing in on the sports topics of the day, what you think, are you watching the World Baseball Classic? It'll be a great one tonight, U.S. and Japan. Japan won the first two World Baseball Classics. Haven't been in it since, but yesterday get the uh, walk-off to a win. And we'll talk about that in our pick six. Uh, in fact, Singer, let's get to that right now. Let's hit that pick six. Let's okay? Let's get to it, man. For another pick six with Ballsy and friends as they give their take on six sports topics of the day. Well, never shut off an Edmonton Oilers game. They're very explosive and fun to watch. Kind of like the Golden State Warriors a few years back in the NBA. Matias Atcom was the best trade deadline pickup so far. The defensive defenseman had two big goals last night, including a huge clapper that tied the game uh, with about three minutes to go. Um, uh, I don't think they're going to beat the Kings with defense like that, and they better have Stuart Skinner stay healthy in net because Jack Soup Campbell's play makes Oilers fans sick to their stomach. Number two on the pick six. Speaking of goaltenders, former Kamloops Blazer Dylan Ferguson made 48 saves in his first career NHL start, and the Sens held off the Penguins to snap a five-game slide, two to one. Ottawa six points out of a playoff spot with 12 games remaining. Uh, Fergalicious, uh, he has played. He has played. For 11 teams across four leagues since 2017. So that's a great story for Dylan Ferguson. I didn't see Zinger. Who won the... uh who won the uh, women's curling today? We got to get that in. I'm not. I'm not Good gonna... question. Yeah. <laughs> Let's look right now. This is on the fly. Uh, looks like Canada. Where is it here? Uh, Switzerland beat Canada in a morning draw. Uh, so Canada dropped the four and two. And where are we at here now? Canada. I really don't. What's the date today? Today's the twenty first, right? Twenty first. 21st. Uh, Canada's playing New Zealand right now, so uh, we don't know. New Zealand hasn't won a game. Canada should win that one there. 4-2 and two, Switzerland is number one. Let's go number four in the pick six. When Shohei Otani reached second base after hitting a leadoff double in the bottom of the ninth, he immediately looked up at the crowd and waved his arms in a rare sign of emotion as if he knew what was going to come next. Otani's clutch hit sparked a late rally, and moments later, Munataka 
Murakami delivered a walk-off two-run double to lift Japan over Mexico 6-5 to and into the World Baseball Classic final. Now, the dream matchup of Otani pitching to his teammate Mike Trout could become reality tonight. Otani plans to hit and pitch in relief. So, uh, there you go. <laughs> maybe That's... a foreshadow for the sports cage clutch performer Who knows? Today? Who knows? Maybe. 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 <laughs> Another one of the pick six here. I'm losing track. One, two, three, four. This is number five. The Indianapolis Colts apparently are mulling over an offer sheet for Lamar Jackson of Baltimore. That'd be kind of ironic since it was it was uh, Baltimore that stole the Colts, <laughs> or Indy stole the Colts from Baltimore back in 1984 in the middle of the night. Wouldn't that be something if they stole Baltimore's quarterback? Now, check this out. Since... Andrew Luck has retired from the NFL in 2018. Here are the Colts oh. quarterbacks. Jacoby Brissett, Brian Hoyer, Phillip Rivers, Carson Wentz, Matt Ryan, Sam Ellinger, and Nick Foles. Phillip Rivers was the best. People laughed. Oh, yeah. They got 40-year-old Rivers, and he got them to the playoffs. And might I remind you, almost beat Buffalo in the first round, and it wasn't his fault they didn't win. Uh, former NFL quarterback Cam Newton... A Heisman Trophy winner at Auburn uh, will throw at the Tigers Pro Day today, he announced in a 54-second video. He said this, Tell me how these randoms keep getting jobs, an emphatic Newton said in a video. Don't worry about it. I'm going to show you. I can't wait to show you. Uh, he said, and I quote, There aren't 32 quarterbacks better than me. Maybe. So, so what do you think? <laughs> What do you think? Do you think Cam Newton is better than uh, a bunch of the starting quarterbacks in the bunch, NFL? Not a bunch. No. Maybe. 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 Well, let's go through. Let's go through. This is the last in the pick six. We got. We got a second to let this breathe. So in the AFC East, uh, right now, Miami, Buffalo, New England, Jets. Is he better than any of those quarterbacks? Mm, I don't think so. Because no. Rodgers is probably going to be with the Jets. He's not okay? better than Rodgers. He's not better no. than Tua Tagovailoa. No. Okay, he's, he's not, not better. better than he's, not, he's not better than anybody in the AFC West. Wilson, Herbert, Mahomes, Garoppolo. Not no. better than any of those. No. Central is he better than what's in Pittsburgh right now? Pittsburgh. Can he pick it? Yeah, I don't. I, I don't think so. No, I don't think so. I don't so. think so. He's not better than Burrow. He's not better than Deshaun Watson. And uh, is he better than... Um, who's the other one in the AFC Central? Baltimore. AFC North. Yeah. Or North, Lamar sorry. Jackson. Yeah, if he's there. Yeah, no, he's not better than no, any of those no, dudes. No. Okay, AFC West. Is he better than Stafford? No. Is he better than Kyler Murray when he's healthy? No. Is he better than... Um, who else is in the West? Uh, any? Well, is he better than what San Fran has right now? No. I don't think so either. I'd like, take I take Brock Purdy or Trey Lance. Yeah, I wouldn't take Cam... Like, a guy can't throw the... the this isn't 2015 Cam Newton anymore. I don't anymore. think there's anybody that he's better than as a starting he's quarterback. That's why I don't I, think so. Like, he's not even better than Jared Goff. If he is better than someone, it might be like... Pick one. Because I can't think of I one. I can't really think of one. Jacoby Brissett, someone like that. Is he that. better than Daniel Jones? Yeah, no. maybe he could be the quarterback. I wouldn't, I wouldn't take Cam Newton over Daniel Jones. He could be either. the quarterback of the Commanders. You're absolutely right. That might be the only team right now where he's a starting quarterback. Give me a break. He's a great athlete, just an okay quarterback, kind of like Lamar Jackson. Maybe that's why Lamar is not getting the, uh, the uh, guaranteed contract that he wants. That's our pick six. Coming up, we got more of the sports cage. Uh, you don't want to go anywhere. In fact... 
What I like from the CFL ahead of the combine, each of the teams that a media avail today over Zoom or over the phone. Our own Sean Kleisinger sat in, and we're going to hear from the Toronto Argonauts next. It's the Sports Cage for Saskatchewan Lotteries on 620 CKRM. Nobody covers your team like our team. This is the Sports Cage on the mighty 620 CKRM. Welcome back to the Sports Cage. We're happy you're part of what we're doing around here. Uh, Sports Cage shareholders, as we like to call them. Michael Ball with Sean Kleisinger, 936-6262, the number to text. You can also call that number. We can talk some football. Or you can... uh, Get a hold of us one eight six six seven six seven zero six twenty. I want to talk. I want to talk to some of you fans. Let's give us a call here. We'll have about four minutes at the end of this little segment. Uh, what's happening here? The CFL getting ready for the combine in Edmonton. They've kind of switched the format. Five day event, and each team. Coach and GM made available to the media. The defending Grey Cup champion Toronto Argonauts were first out of the shoot, and uh, Ryan Dinwiddie and. Uh, Ryan Dinwiddie and their GM asked about the quarterbacking situation in Toronto with McLeod Bethel-Thompson leaving and Chad Kelly, the the lead dog, going into training camp. Starting quarterback, how insulated do you think your perspective, number one, needs to be, in other words, with a backup? Well, I, I think we got some guys in the building right now we feel could be you know solid backups and, and potential starting quarterbacks to push Chad. Uh, we're going to look to add, you know, maybe one or two more guys. And we got on our radar. We made some phone calls. So uh, we just feel like, you know, we got some youth there. And, um, you know, some guys that have experience, not necessarily CFL experience, but guys that have experience playing other football leagues that, uh, you know, does some good things. And we feel like we got a chance to be successful with the young quarterback. Uh, lots of player movement, Ryan, this offseason, as there often is, but a lot of quarterback changes. Um, just wondering, your team aside, who's won the offseason? Or at the very least, whose moves do you find most intriguing? No, I think, you know, you know, BC's done a good job as far as, you know, establishing their quarterback room with two, you know, quality quarterbacks. I thought that was a, a great move by them. Oh, I think, you know, you look at, you know, Winnipeg getting all their guys back as well. Uh, I thought we, we got most of our guys back that we wanted. Um, but, you know, I think there, there's, you know, movement each year, and you really don't have that answer till the, you know, the end of the season. So uh, we'll see. I think, you know, obviously, you know, McLeod decided to, to hang it up in the CFL. Uh, we feel good about Chad. Uh, we might have went that direction either way so but it's, it's still an unknown story we'll, we'll find out the next question is from dan ralph please go ahead dan thank you gentlemen um one of one for each uh, i'll start with vince going into the uh, the combine what are you looking for and what sort of traits in a player are you hoping to see yeah i'll, I'll go in reverse order i mean obviously right off the bat being able to see these guys up close um, especially now in this elongated format uh, as opposed to what what it's normally been um, the athletic traits are definitely something that, that we're going to keep an eye on. Um, I think the biggest thing for us is, you know, the draft isn't, you know, a two, three month process. It's a, it's a full year process. And in some instances, even longer, right? We've been watching the, these players for years. Um, we've seen them up close in practices, but we've been watching them on film for, for longer. So to go into an environment like this, to see them up close, to see their athletic traits, to be able to sit down and interview them, um, just watch their mannerisms um, and see how it marries to the film that we've already watched and evaluated. I think that's the biggest thing we're looking for is consistency on everything, right? So if we see something that doesn't necessarily line up with, with the film we've already watched and evaluated, it, it gives us an opportunity to go back and, and look at why, right? 
Did a guy run a really good 40 time, but he looks slow on tape? Okay, we're going to go back and, and look at why or, or vice versa. I think that's the biggest thing for us. And, and, you know, this new format as well, being able to, you know, traditionally guys will go through the testing and then they'll do a handful of one-on-ones and, and that's it, right? To see them in this environment now having, I think it's three days of practice, they'll be on the field five or six times, right? You'll get to see the competitive aspect of the players as well. You'll see if guys can stack good days together. You know, can they be consistent? You know, do, do they have a poor first day and can they rebound? Are guys just going to dominate for, for three, four days straight? It's going to add an interesting wrinkle to this process that we normally go through, but that's that's kind of where our focus is. And Ryan, I'm wondering, as, as a coach, when you have the opportunity two or three days to actually coach young men, do you look at them and sort of see how much of what you're telling them they grasp what they see what their strengths are and what they what they sort of need to to maybe work on at the next level well yeah i think you can you know get a gauge of you know their football you know iq where they're at there um i like to see them compete uh you know and just see that in person and kind of you know confirm some of the stuff that you you see on tape i love watching the film i don't think the film ever lies but uh, i like the the personal interviews as well um really see the character of each player kind of you know their makeup you know uh who they are as a person you know what do they want to get out of this football you know experience and you, you know you, i mean really i mean the interview for me personally i think that really solidifies some of these guys in our mind and and um if they're going to be in argo or we feel comfortable bringing them in the building next questions from frank go ahead frank okay gentlemen uh what's becoming very i don't know this seems to be a trend that's been going the past 10 10 or so years where players gravitate to go back home Part of the draft, we worry about the NFL. And then you were talking about, Vince, about paying attention above you and below you. Don't you have to also worry, not worry, but think sideways where there's players that may want to come back home? And how impactful is that and important it is to every Canadian Football League team? But from your perspective, how does that fit into your thinking? I think it plays a part. I know, you know, you look back the last few years, especially in 2020, when we started overhauling the roster after a poor 2019 season uh, we made a concerted effort to, to bring guys home um, and keep guys local and and we want to build continuity you know we're never going to take what we feel is a is a lesser player just because they happen to be from toronto at the, end of the, at the end of the day we're still trying to build the best football team we can but at the same time i mean if, if it's close and, and there is a chance that you can get a guy and, and keep him in your building long term and build that sustainable future and build that continuity i think that's something that you're always looking at not just in the draft but even free agency right you know that's especially being in the gta where a lot of talent is located you know i think that's definitely a, a tool in your toolkit uh to use when it comes to recruiting and free agency but i think in the draft it's definitely a discussion but again like we've also had success drafting guys from from out west or, or from quebec and we're, we're never going to overlook the best player just because of geography but it, it's definitely something that that is in our minds when we go through process all right uh that's uh, ryan dinwiddie uh talking about the uh toronto argonauts and uh, what they're looking forward to coming up here it's going to be interesting at quarterback for them zinger what they're going to do mcleod bethel thompson leaving to the uh, usfl and you've got uh, chad kelly the lead dog there but they've got a bunch of uh, unproven americans at the quarterback spot i found it interesting with ryan dinwiddie he said you know even if mcleod bethel thompson was going to come back to the cfl we might have still moved on to Chad Kelly. That's what he said. I guess it's easier to say that now that McLeod Bethel Thompson is gone, but it's going to be interesting to see if Chad Kelly could do anything, you know. What Ryan Dinwiddie did last year 
No, oh, it was impressive. Was man. was was impressive. Uh, we had Andrew Harris on. He got a lot of credit keeping that locker room together. They were an absolute tire fire. They're horrible. They were a grease fire. And the, the the turning point, in my opinion, was that Halifax game. Their home game. They were close to losing and circling the drain because they were struggling a bit. Winton McManus picks off Cody's pass, goes for a oh. touchdown, and the Riders went downhill. And the Argos went uphill, and they won here in our home turf in Regina. That that, that was a crazy six. Yep. <laughs> oh. Yeah. I want to forget about that one, man. Tell you what, they've got a great team other than the quarterback spot. If Chad, I hope Chad Kelly does well for the Argos, for the league, because he's got the mentality to do it. Like, I'm not going to lie, man. I've always had a soft spot for the Toronto Argonauts dating back to the 90s. Mm. They've always been my second favorite okay. team because of the yep. back in the 90s, they had the, the Boltman logo yeah. on their shoulders and yeah. stuff. I thought that was like, ooh, okay. And they had Doug Flutie at the time. Mm. I'm not saying I'm an Argonauts fan, so everyone just hop off. I'm just yeah. saying, I like yeah. I got mad respect for the Third Argos. best unis in the league. Riders 1, BC 2, Argos 3, in I, my opinion. I can get behind that. Okay. Because I'm trying to think uh, who else would be a gr- I like the... I like the. I don't like any of these teams. I like the Elks. That's a good logo. Um, who else? Uh, maybe the Tiger Cats. Oh, Rhodes. Yeah. T- yeah. Tabby's Rhodes. Okay. Tabby's yeah. Rhodes. Tabby. But yeah. But but <laughs> but, but, th- but uh, the Argos top three uni in the league. Yeah. Hey, remember back in the day when certain national broadcasters who have never been called out really for it. Dave Naylor, uh, said, there's only one way the CFL survives. Like, this is imminent. The CFL has to come by. There may be no other way but for the CFL to get on board with the XFL. Oh, God. The XFL. Oh, goodness. Sorry. Week week one, 3.12 million watching the XFL. Week two, 2.05 million. Week three, 1.61 million. Week four, 1.38 million. And week five, 1.056 million. So we have lost 2.05 million from week one to week five. Does That's that a sound steady like sink. Is that a winning <laughs> formula? Wow. At Zinger, I loved it. I loved it. Was it Marquette King? Was he not the old punter for the Raiders? Yeah. He punts the ball. I don't even know what team he's playing for, and I could care less. You probably do. I don't care. He runs down. Arlington, and, I think. He runs down, and he recovers his own punt, like to down the punt. And everybody's Everyone like, lost their and that's on the XFL right there. <laughs> We've been doing that except since it's the 1910. C- except that's the CFL. <laughs> uh, oh, once again, I don't want the league to fail. But I guess I kind of want the league to fail. I'm not going to lie to you. Like I like the fact that other got like there's another league. As my son pointed out last week when he was on the show, it used to be just the CFL and the NFL and maybe the Arena League. Arena League's coming back now. But I like the fact there are other avenues for players to go play. So I do like that. Okay, but I don't like this whole narrative that we automatically just forgot what was spread around that the CFL is in trouble unless it it partners with the rock and the XFL no, it's still going to be gone in <laughs> a couple years what made the rock think that it, like if Vince McMahon can't do it the rock can't do it listen i'm i don't think Vince McMahon's the be-all and end-all, but if Vince McMahon and Dick Ebersol, who's forgot more about putting on TV broadcasts, former guy at NBC, Olympics, NFL, Super Bowl, if they couldn't put an XFL product on the field that works, nobody will be able to. The USFL's done too. The Americans have voted. 
It's high school football. It's college football. It's the NFL, and everything else is garbage, including the CFL. That's how they feel in their own country. Let's be They'll on- watch our game on TV, but they're not going to support it. But let's be honest. So at the end of the day, it comes down to like attendance. Like yeah. when people come to the games, and the only thing that the XFL is going for them is two markets: San Antonio and St. Louis. Those are the Why? only two. Teams well because they always got a team stripped from them. Yeah, that's right. And San Antonio, that's I mean, it's a hotbed for football. They're in Texas, right? Yeah. They, they want to be like Dallas. They want to be like Houston. St. Louis. Is you could put uh, two teams. That's two, all they got. You could put twelve-year-olds on a field and call it a league, and people would go watch in St. Louis because they want the NFL. Oh, we're over here, NFL. Yeah. We want an NFL team back. If they had that's eight, what, if they had eight of those teams in the XFL, where that's like thirty-five grand plus. Every game, yep. like yeah, it's gonna work. Yep. But those are the only two markets that work in the league. Yeah, no one else goes. Uh, it's yeah. averaging like ten thousand people. There's a nicer cow pasture in uh, Meadow Lake than the field they play on in Las Vegas. Oh, Give ben, me a that break. Was a joke. Yeah, that's that was a joke. Anyway, we'll take a break. Coming up, Cash the Indigenous, field. the Indigenous Sports Spotlight. We'll hear from Murray McCormick, our friend who's retiring from the sports business. That and much, much more. It's the Sports Cage on six twenty CKRM. Sports ticker at 332s for Bronco Plumbing and Heating, where professional service is guaranteed. They will treat you right. Just give them a call at 781-2090. And, well, this is it. The finals for the World Baseball Classic is tonight. It's the United States of America taking on Japan. Merrill Kelly will get the start on the mound for the United States of America. A pitcher from the Arizona Diamondbacks. And Shato Imanaga will get the start on the hill for Team Japan. And it looks like as well Shohei Otani will eventually get the ball throughout the game tonight. So it's going to be a slobber knocker. I mean, last night was great. Japan beating Mexico in the bottom of the ninth. It's going to be a great one tonight. 5 p.m. opening pitch, Saskatchewan time. This is the Indigenous Sports Spotlight. Each month on the Sports Cage, we highlight an athlete, coach, or builder who is gaining attention both on and off the playing surface. And our Indigenous Sports Spotlight brought to you by our good friends at Freeze Tallman. Since 1956, Freeze Tallman has been your trusted building materials supplier for every type of project. Freeze Tallman in Regina and Fort Coppell. Today we hear from Caleb Desjardins. He is the coach of the senior boys basketball team at FW Johnson. He comes from Métis ancestry and he is leading that team to Hoopla, their first appearance in the Provincial Basketball Championship in 15 years it's definitely been a learning curve for me not really having a whole lot of head coach experience but with the group i got the last two years they've made it super easy on me with a lot of really skilled guys and guys who just want to win so it's been a lot of fun i love the fact that you're doing this as an outside coach you don't have a teaching uh, requirement to do this uh, how proud are you to be an alumni coming back and coaching this team and getting them to hoopla oh man it's been the best like like i said it's been kind of a whirlwind of emotions the last couple of weeks. It hasn't really set in for me personally, but I've been getting a lot of messages and emails from people around the community, guys that I played with, guys that I went to high school with, and not only guys that I played with, but played against who are kind of giving us props for making it all the way to Hoopla, but it's been it's been definitely a whirlwind of emotions, to say the least. Where Saskatchewan sports fans come to talk. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM.
All right, time to speak with our old friend. I don't mean old in the sense you're old. I mean longtime friend Murray McCormick, former writer at the Leader Post. So you went to Mexico to get rested up for retirement. That sounds like a Murray McCormick thing to do. <laughs> it really was one of the most adeptly planned moves I've ever made in my life. It really wasn't planned that way. The vacation was planned long before retirement was going to kick in, but boy, was it ever a great way to start it off. I think I think there's a lot of margaritas in my future in retirement based on my initial couple of weeks of retirement. But well, you earned it. it. Awesome. You earned it, man. Murray, uh, you were going back and forth. You were on the fence. You were going to retire. You weren't going to retire. Uh, what pushed you over the edge? I, I just think the opportunity to get a nice package to leave the company was, was pretty good. And it was, you know, the things are looking kind of... Um, kind of not that great in the newspaper industry now and it was an opportunity that came up and i said you know something i think i'm gonna go mary my wife marion had retired in the middle of january so it's i don't know if i recommend that retiring at the same time but we'll see what happens are you are you sad are you sad about the newspaper industry and the way it's going oh absolutely the new i grew up with the news i'm a newspaper guy for my my heart and soul and, and I've watched it I grew up reading in papers saving my the few clippings I had in my life and just I love the newspaper I love reading getting ink on my fingers and and to see the way the sports section is now is really saddening and disappointing but they're doing the best they can to you know you have two two guys of like Rob and I quit within a month of each other that's yeah. pretty hard on any paper to not saying you're irreplaceable but it's it's pretty tough to find two guys like that. So Yeah, two workhorses. Yeah, two workhorses for sure. Murray McCormick, what are you going to miss most about your gig? Oh, probably having them getting into sports events for free. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, I, I really, and it sounds because I'm going to miss the people. You know, me at practice, just chatting with the guys, you know, yeah. talking about life and things and just sort of, you know, it's not, you see, it's not life and death, it's sports. And, and I think I kind of really enjoyed that part. And the last few years the last season i i vowed i told you i vowed to be happy and to really enjoy the season and i think i really did it was more fun than i can remember and i i feel pretty good leaving on the end of the last i would have liked to covered the riders in the great cup would have been a lot more fun but i feel pretty good leaving after the last season the season before covid and all that stuff i didn't feel too good about leaving about but mm-hmm. i feel pretty I, I feel good with where i am now i went I sorry I was on that went to loss and I started aquasize and all those things. So Oh nice. Maybe I can get my life get my life in the shape and start looking as fit as you. Oh, I don't know about that. Uh, I don't know that I'm that fit anymore. Murray McCormick joining us here. Do you have any other plans? Your buddy Rob's working for the riders. What are you gonna do? Go work for the Pats? Like what are you going to do? You still got <laughs> you still got a life ahead of you, buddy. I know and I, I really wish I had a, a set plan, but I really don't. We're travels in our books. I've got young enough we're both young enough that we still want to travel. I want to go see some places in Europe. So that's really kind of the big part of our lives are working now. Um, I'm just going to take it easy for a year other than traveling and hanging out with uh, people on the golf course. I'm always up for a game of golf now and uh, just sort of to see what life brings. I've, I've never had the opportunity to just sort of go through life without any plans. It's always been, what's the next story? What's the next feature? What's the next, what's the last story? How's that work out? So it's, I'm kind of looking forward to just having sort of an unplanned life mm-hmm. and just going through it and see seeing where I end up next February or next March and uh, make some decisions then. Will you just go to a rider game as a fan now, or is that something you'll just sit at home and watch, or you might not even uh, watch as regularly now? Oh, no, I've loved sports all my life, Paul. I'm not going to stop watching Canadian football just because I'm not, it's not working. I don't know how many games I'm going to go to. I'm, I'm going to go to a few. I, I think... 
people have to, I can go to a game and leave when I want to, which is sometimes people don't realize with me that you got to stay to the bitter end. And there's some games you would have liked to have left before the final whistle had blown, but you got to do your job. But I'm, I'm going to go to some games. I really think I, I want to see the game from that side. I want to try to experience what life is like as a fan a little bit, but we're going to see, like, as I said, I love watching football. I can watch Canadian football all the time. So that's not going to be something I'm going to stop doing. Just maybe not as having to stay up till three o'clock in the morning, writing the story will be, I won't miss. But. <laughs> no kidding. Hey Murray, what's the one CFL city? I'll tell you what, let's do it this way. Rank me your top three CFL cities other than sitting at home at mosaic and watching the games. Well, I've, Boy, there's so many reasons that uh, Vancouver, Montreal, and uh, I'm going to throw. Geez, just, Edmonton was really I really like Edmonton too for some reason, but Vancouver was my my favorite spot. Actually, I'm going to take Edmonton out there. I'm going to throw Toronto in there. Okay, because Toronto just country. Walking along the harbor front, that's Montreal, and even Montreal, I walk along there, old Montreal. Vancouver is just a great place to visit. Great restaurants, great great facility. I love the stadium being right on top of the fans. They're always kind of being kind of my peers, but Vancouver is really one of my favorite cities, and I love seafood, and I love, as people know, I love to eat, and there's so <laughs> many great places in Vancouver to eat that it really has to be one of my my top city. I'm, look, I'm looking forward. I love them all. I'm looking forward to going to Ottawa because we didn't go there last year, and I'm yes. now into my second year with the Riders, and I I have never been to an Argos game in Toronto because both of ours are being played in Halifax, right? That's right. Yeah. That, well, I, going to Halifax last year was pretty cool too, though. That was a uh, a big. I think I think it's even going to be better this year because it's actually going to be in Halifax. Mm-hmm. I think like, like it was cool in Wolfville, but you know you kind of wanted to be. You know, you, you kind of you walked over to that little uh, that festival area they had set up, and if that if the game had been there, that place would have just been rocking. So yeah. I think that'll make it a little better. But Halifax is a pretty cool spot to. To visit that was cool. Yeah, la- la- that one. Lastly, Murray, before I let you go, what do you make of what the Riders did in the off season? Let's get your expert uh, opinion on uh, what you thought they did this free agency. Well, this expert is actually pretty impressive what they did in the free agency. I think they really needed to get a quarterback, and they got the best one available. I think they've improved the defense, the offensive line, with uh, uh, Philip Blake and who's the other guy? Godber. 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 Sorry. I'm turning a fan in. I'm forgetting the names of the guys. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, Micah Johnson's going to be a huge on that defensive line. I think they really bolstered the trenches a lot. I, I think they're going to. And some people have said to me, and then it's a colleague of mine mentioned, you know, what do you think they're going to be in? And I'm not totally out of. They could be 500. They could be nine and 19. You know, if things work out well their way. I think they're going to be competitive. I really, I, I wasn't impressed with the job before free agency, but I think O'Day came out of that looking pretty good in, bol- in bolstering this team. So, hey, maybe I'll be able to cheer for them all the way to, uh, to a great cup next year on the sidelines. Murray, can't wait to uh, talk to you again because we will check in with you from time to time. Uh, you'll be around and uh, we value your opinion. Have yourself a, a great day and uh, go have a margarita or something. And I owe you, listen, I owe you a lunch. I wanted to take you before you went for your uh, pre-retirement vacation, which still sounds funny. I'll take you out. We'll, we'll go for a margarita, okay? How does that sound? Sure, I'll be available for that. Thanks for having me on the air. It was always fun talking to you and talking football. I'm going to miss that part, but you know, sometimes you just got to move on. Yeah. That's, 
That's what I've done. Yeah, yeah. well, uh, I, I, for me on. I'm on the retirement plan for radio announcers, so I'll be here for till they kick me off the air. Exactly, yeah. Whoever heard of us, <laughs> I, I never thought I'd be tired, but I really did. So. <laughs> Thanks, Murray. Thanks for having me on. Take All care. Right, thanks, Bobby. Bye-bye. Back. Our house is your house. Welcome inside the sports cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. Thanks for listening. We appreciate it. However you're listening and wherever you're listening, I'm Michael Ball along with Sean Kleisiger, my producer on the other side of the glass. He's a very knowledgeable sports guy, so he likes to weigh in on some things too as I bring him in. Uh, Our text line's powered by the Capital Auto Mall. Labby sends a text in, listening on my tow truck on the way back to Saskatoon from Moose Jaw. Hi, Labby. Nah, thanks. What's up? Thanks for listening. I appreciate it. Tell all your friends. Uh, yeah, we'll give you a shout-out. Tow Bob. truck. Hopefully no. Yeah. Hopefully your vehicle didn't break down or That's something. That's right. Huh? Uh, well, hopefully for him, somebody's vehicle did break down, and he gets the tow him because oh, he's making go. money. They're smarter than me. Sounds like if he's if he's on his tow truck, is he like a, maybe he's a... Like a he tow semis, yeah, could be heavy duty towman. Uh, hey, this from Bob. This is a good text, Bob. We'll get to it tomorrow because off the top of my head, I can't answer that. I'm not going to lie to you. I know we're great, but we're not that great. Bob wants to know who do you think's had the best off season for CFL teams? Very good question. Oh, best off season, huh? Yeah, as we head towards the draft. So we'll talk about that. We'll rank our teams, how they did in the off season. We'll do that tomorrow. Uh, Zinger and I'll put our brains together and uh, maybe start a fire. Who knows? Huh. A lot of smoke in the booth when we put our brains together. I, I'm just, I'm just uh, going to say the Rough Riders should be up they, there. They'll be up there. They'll be, they'll up, be there. up there. They'll be up there pretty close, man. Um, pretty close. I would, off the top of my head, say the only teams I think had a better, Hamilton, they got Bo, and they got they got better in some other aspects, and maybe Toronto. I know they lost the quarterback, but if you judge by what Ryan Dinwiddie said earlier in the show... Uh, the uh, Argos were already going to move on from McLeod Bethel Thompson, mm-hmm. so we'll uh, we'll we'll take a deep dive tomorrow. SJHL playoffs tonight. Flynn Flons at Estevan. The uh, Bruins are down two games to none. Humboldt at Nipwin. Humboldt uh, smacked around Nipwin pretty good in two games. They're at the Hawks Nest there, the smaller confines in Nipwin. Battleford's at Weyburn. This is a beauty. Cool. Weyburn stole the first game, lost the second game. Battleford's the juggernaut team in Weyburn tonight. Should be a good one. 7 o'clock face-off there. That's in driving distance if you want to watch some great SJHL playoff action from Regina, that is. I know our signal's everywhere. And Melford at LaRange. That's the 4 5 1. They're tied at one game apiece. That's that up is in not LaRange. driving distance. No, that is not. But it's listening distance. Yes. So uh, we will uh, continue our SJHL talk throughout the week. It's a circuit that's near and dear to my heart because that's where I got my broadcasting start in Estevan. So uh, still a lot of talk where our friend. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is going to end up. Will I'm he? so sick of this. I know, but it's going to keep going, and that's just uh, that's the mo for Aaron Rodgers. He likes people talking about him. So, uh, here's something: a question of the day. I want you to ponder this. We'll go through it. Um, maybe I'll see how many you can get off the top of your head, just off the top of your head, Zinger, because you are a wealth of knowledge. Thirty-five quarterbacks in the NFL have thrown. 50 or more touchdowns after reaching their 35th birthday. So this is after their 35th birthday, including Aaron Rodgers, who is 162. Can How many of the 34 others can you name me who have thrown for 50-plus touchdowns after their 35th birthday in the NFL? 50-plus touchdowns. After their 35th birthday. Aaron Rodgers is 162. Uh... After their 35th birthday. Well, Pretty easy. Tom Brady. Yeah, one. 
Peyton Manning. Two. Uh, Philip Rivers. Three. Uh, Don't have your computer on. No, no, I'm not okay, looking. Okay, that's three. After their 35th birthday. This guy birthday. played for the Saints. Uh, Drew Brees. Four. This guy played in the CFL. Warren Moon. Five. Uh, this guy played for Houston and Oakland in 1975. Houston and Oakland. And it's not Kenny Stabler. Uh, 1975, 128. That's not Jim Plunkett. No, oh, but he is one of them. Jim Plunkett. That's six. Jim Plunkett. Uh, Houston. Okay, pass on that one. Okay. This guy uh, This guy was drafted the same year as Eli Manning and Philip Rivers. Played for ben Pittsburgh. That's right. This guy uh, could be mistaken for Hillary Swank or a horse. <laughs> <laughs> you know who it is. He beat your team for his first Super Bowl. Uh, okay. Oh, John Elway. Yeah, there you go. John, <laughs> yeah, yeah, of okay. course. This guy was coached by Mark Tressman with the Raiders. Rich Gannon. Right. This guy was a supermarket guy. Oh, uh, supermarket. Uh... Rams, greatest show on yeah, turf. Kurt, Kurt Warner. That's right. He had 989 past his 35th birthday. This guy played for the Bungles. He played for that. Carson Palmer. Yeah, there you go. Uh, this guy was on um, That's Incredible, the TV show. He was a scrambler and played for the purple-wearing Vikings. Fran Tarkenton. Yeah, that's right. This guy played in the Canadian Football League with Buffalo, San Diego, and New England. Uh, Doug Flutie. Yeah, 72 touchdowns after his 35th birthday in the NFL. Uh, this guy, I already talked about him, drafted the same draft year as Philip Rivers and Ben Roethlisberger. Eli Manning. That's right. This guy was a lefty. Oh. He was a lefty that played for the 49ers, initially for the Buccaneers in the NFL. A lefty. He played initially with the Buccaneers, and then Byron the Byron Leftwich. No. No, 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 no. Steve no. Young. Steve, oh, my how did you get that? Why did I see Byron Leftwich? <laughs> okay, this guy you just put me on the spot. This guy just played with the. God this guy just played. You with, ruined my day. I'm with. Okay, go this on. This guy just played with the Miami Dolphins. He, he threw 68 touchdowns after his 35th birthday, just with the Miami Dolphins. Dan Marino. Yeah, rocket arm. Uh, this guy played with Tampa, Miami, Atlanta, and Kansas City. Uh, he, he wore number 17. He was a right-handed quarterback. Number 17. Uh, don't 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 say it. But what was his draft team? I, I don't know. What, what was, were the teams again? Atlanta, Miami, Tampa, and Kansas City threw for 64 touchdowns after his um after his 35th birthday. Well, Trent Green was number 10. No. Steve DeBerg. Oh, whatever. That guy's a loser. Anyway, some of the other names on this list. Uh, Come on, keep testing me. Come on. Cowboys, 1979. Roger Staubach. There you go. Uh, Washington, 1974. He looked like a potbelly quarterback. Number six, 64 touchdown passes, 1974. Schneider. No, Sonny uh, <laughs> Jurgensen. Oh, yeah, Sonny. Uh, Denver Broncos, 1982. Denver Broncos. Before Elway. He led him to the 77 Super oh, Bowl. Oh, what's that guy's name? Oh, who is it? Craig Morton. Oh, yeah. How about this guy? He just washed up with the Colts. <laughs> it was his last team. He played for Atlanta. He played for Oh, uh, Matt Ryan. That's right, Matt Ryan. Uh, Jim Plunkett, you mentioned. Uh, this guy's got a sweet beard. He's on a panel now. 
Played, Sweet beard, and he's played on for a, Washington, played for Buffalo, played for Miami, played for Tampa. Oh, Fitzpatrick. That's Ryan Fitzpatrick. That's right. This guy's a Kansas City great. Joe Montana couldn't wear number 16 because of him. Glenn Dawson. That's right. That's right. This guy won a Super Bowl as Tampa's quarterback against the Raiders. Brad Johnson. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> this guy was the best athlete at quarterback when he played. He played for Minnesota, Dallas, Baltimore, and Philadelphia. Minnesota, Dallas, Baltimore, Philadelphia. Baltimore, Michael Vick. No, no. no. Minnesota, uh, Baltimore, Dallas, and most predominantly Philadelphia. Oh, Randall Cunningham. Randall Cunningham. And this guy, another number 17, he also played for Seattle, Kansas City, Detroit, Arizona, Chicago, Tennessee. Number seventeen, most famous with the Seattle Seahawks, Matt Hasselbeck. No, no, oh no, he wasn't number seventeen. He was Dave, number eight. Dave Craig. Oh God, you're pretty good though. You got most of them. Got most of them. Impressive. Hey, here's some other news I broke yesterday talking about quarterbacks. Mason Nias, who will join us on the show tomorrow, is joining the UBC Thunderbirds coaching staff under Blake Nill. He's got a high school coaching job or teaching job out there. He's going to coach with Blake Nill. That's interesting. That's going to be fun. I'm most looking. I'm assuming that he's going to travel with the team. Yep. So he's going to be making his way back to Saskatoon. And, imagine oh, yeah, the, imagine the emotions with that. Now here's a question That's what I'm for, talking about. And people are like, why would Let's he see some tears? Why would he quit to go coach when he could play? The Riders offered him a contract. Well, because he would probably make more money teaching. Eventually. That's right. That's right. And that is a good point. And I, I have not talked to Mason yet. He's going to be on the show tomorrow. I would assume the kid wants to have his own money. He's gone forever having his parents support him. He's got a girlfriend out in Vancouver. You you want to actually have a steady income as a teacher? Yeah, you probably The best you're looking at probably is a practice roster spot with the Riders. Yeah, you're not going to play. You're not going to play, so you might as well go teach. And he, he wants to be a coach, so he'll probably he, he'll aspire to be a coach either in the university ranks or eventually maybe the CFL like a Mark Mueller. Mm-hmm. So... We'll ask him all this tomorrow, but uh, yeah, he is uh, joining UBC. Would you say he's the most accomplished U Sports quarterback to come out of Saskatchewan? Now I don't now, know. Now listen, 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 listen. Hear me out. Hear me out. Our friend Noah picked and won a Heck Crichton Trophy, and so he'd be the only other guy. Because think about it. He won three Hardy Cup titles. He went to the Vanier Cup twice. The dude never lost in Saskatchewan as a starting quarterback. Noah Picton can't say any of that. Yeah, well, I'm still going to pick Noah Picton. Do you know why? Because the teams that Mason Nias have been on, those defenses he's been on, the Rams have, like, the best Rams defense you could argue was this past season. Noah Picton was not their quarterback then. The Rams defense was always very lackluster. And for Noah Picton to do what he did that season that he had when he won the Heck Crichton, Mm. I mean... That was. If you had to win one game to, for all the marbles, would you take Mason Nias or Noah Picton? Noah Picton. You would? Yeah, I would. Really? Yep. Uh, I, I'm I'm Team Noah. Uh, I know I know Perry would not like. Me for I, saying I'm it, but. going with Nias. With listen, all due respect to Noah Picton. I love Noah Picton. You know me. I love some Noah Picton. But I don't know, man. And not saying Noah's not a leader because he is. But uh, Mason was a leader. He was a winner. Yes, he didn't win in the Vanier Cup two years in a row, but it wasn't his fault they Noah didn't win. Noah's all those things, though. He is all those things. Leader, no, he's not. Leader? I mean, what, what were the things that you just said? Leader? Yeah. What else winner? did you say? 
Oh, he's a winner. Are you I'm kidding? not saying he's not a winner. He's a winner. He won provincial championships in high school. I mean, no, uh, Mason won a gold medal at the uh, international on the international scene. Canada Cup MVP won a Canada Cup gold medal. Have you ever seen a quarterback the size of Noah Pickton do it? Like there, there will never be a quarterback like that again. I mean, no, never. there won't be. N- never, never in Canadian university football. And the Rams football. did a disservice by not really promoting that guy either. Listen, don't mistake me. I'm, I'm not. I, I love Noah Pickton. This is good radio. If I had to win one game, if you give me a team with Noah Pickton and a game with Mason Nias, it's going to be 47-44, and Nias is going to win. That's my opinion. Why? Why not? Because that's all he ever does. He never lost in Saskatchewan his whole life. They it's lost a, to a, Vanier twice. He never lost in Sus- That wasn't his fault. It, well, it wasn't Noah's fault that his team wasn't as good as Mason Nias' teams. We'll take a break. This is Sports Cage 620 CKR. <laughs> 620 CKRM is proud to be the official radio partner of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and your home for the hottest sports talk anywhere. This is the Sports Cage with your host, Michael Ball. Time now for Coast to Coast with Arashma Danny, our weekly chat with a guy who has covered it all from Hockey Night in Canada, the Olympics, World Series Baseball, and everything in between. This is Coast to Coast with Arashma Danny. And it's brought to you by our friends at Smart Investing Solutions. Be smart with your money. Call Brian Golly at Smart Investing Solutions, 546-2533. Arash. What an ending to the uh, game, Mexico and Japan. Um, I, I had picked Japan to win. They're losing. Could never break the goose egg. I shut it off mad. Not like I have a. Not like I had a. No, it's funny. If you want, if I want my teams to win, I should just shut it off. I just thought thought it'd be a better final if Japan's playing the U.S. So I, uh, I shut it off mad, and Zinger was like, "Wow!" And then all of a sudden, Japan comes back and wins. Then I, I flipped it to watch the Oilers play. They're losing to lowly San Jose. I got mad, shut it off. Woke up to see the highlights. The Oilers came back. So the moral of the story is, if I'm mad at my teams, shut off the game. Uh, what did you think? of uh, that game yesterday. It was great for baseball. Great for baseball. And I thought that Mexico's manager afterwards, he said, you know, it was a tough loss for us, but he said, what a win for the baseball world. Yeah, it was. And I thought that really that really captured it. Yeah, yeah it did. Ballsy, this, is, this is what's interesting. I was thinking about this because I saw Dante Hightower on the Players' Tribune say, you know, say this is it for him. And Hightower was part of three huge moments with the Patriots. But I'm not sure if there's a sport that does moments better than baseball. Like, 3 nothing, and with one swing of the bat, you get 3-3 three, three in the building going bananas and a heartfelt hug at the plate. Zinger and I were texting during that with, with Otani. Like, there, there are sports that, you know, baseball, that you can do your crossword puzzle sitting on a summer Wednesday in the sun with a beer or an iced tea. But then in its most intense of times, baseball is about the moment. And last night was just like five or six snapshots of the moment, which brings us to tonight, 
USA Japan with everything on the line. What a success this World Baseball Classic has been first since 2017. It is uh, crushing it in the stands. Like, I don't think Miami, that stadium, seen crowds like that ever. In fact, I'd be uh, put money on that. And secondly, it's crushing it in terms of the ratings, too. Like, like uh, double, almost triple some of the Major League Baseball ratings. So the, that's something to, to look at, too. What a success. Yeah, and, and like, let's look at different ways to explain this. So tonight, the Japan-USA game will be the most-watched baseball game ever globally. Mm-hmm. Ahead of any World Series, ahead of any event ever, tonight in 2023, with more options for people to watch on more devices than they've ever had, this one will be. Shoei Otani's social media following has increased by 2 million over the last 10 days. Fox Sports' Twitter account, and Ballsy, Fox Sports over the years has had some pretty big moments between Super Bowls and World Series and whatever. Mm-hmm. Last night, the home run to win it set the record for most engagements on Fox Sports' Twitter account with Japan beating Mexico. Here's something else to consider while you watch tonight's game. Depending yeah. how things go in the future, this could be the last time you're watching a traditional baseball game in terms of on American soil because with the pitch clock and everything, we're not we don't have that in this World Baseball Classic game. You have the shifts still going on, you have the standard size bases still going on. All of those are out the window starting season in Major League Baseball. That's a great point I hadn't thought of. And and one last one, Ballsy, because I think this is amazing. Japan, like, there are more people watching this tournament than watch the Tokyo Olympics in their own backyard. Wow. So does Japan have a chance tonight? Sure they do. And it's going to be interesting to see how and when and where they use Otani. And, I look, I give Perry Manassian, who used to be with the Blue Jays, he's the GM of, of the Angels, I give him a ton of credit because... He was asked today by Ken Rosenthal, "What you know? Where where? What's your stance on Otani?" And Perry said, "It's up to him. Like Otani's got five hundred million dollars coming his way in free agency, and he's willing to risk injury tonight for his national team against the USA in a Major League Baseball ballpark." Yeah, we could see Otani pitch to his teammate Mike Trout. I'm just Wouldn't that be great? I'm just happy that two Angels are playing meaningful baseball. It's just that they got to go against each other, which is kind of kind of ironic. And people are saying Mike Trout has never looked happier. <laughs> never looked happier. Imagine what October would mean to Mike Trout. Yeah, no kidding, man. Okay, so we, we, we morph from these games to the rest of Grapefruit and into Blue Jays baseball. What stands out for you in camp with the Blue Jays, even though you haven't been there? Yeah, well, I'll tell you what, we we so often get caught up in what happens in spring training and exhibition games, and I don't when it comes to what's going on at the plate. But I believe there is some merit to what you see on the mound. And I'm not getting down the road with Yusei Kikuchi because I'm not sold on him, Balsy. But Kevin Gosman and Alec Manoa are in midseason form. And... This is a huge season for the Blue Jays' starting pitchers. You know, they bring Chris Bassett over from the Mets, and they need Jose Barrios to take the next step. But Manoa and Gosman are 1-2 in the rotation. And if the Blue Jays can have that on lock, 
that changes the entire dynamic and the face of their starting staff. And so far through spring, based on not just the outing and not just results, but based on the pitch counts, based on their stuff, you know, there was a, there was a poll done of who's, if you could, if you could take one pitcher's stuff, one pitcher's pitch and add it to your repertoire of anybody in baseball, whose would it be? It's Kevin Gosman's splitter right now. Hmm. And in years past, it was Mariano's cutter. Uh, it was R.A. Dickey's knuckleball. It was Tim Wakefield's knuckleball. Now they're saying the Gosman splitter. So if the Jays can get one and two locked down, and it appears they have, whew, watch out. Hey, back to uh, the World Baseball Classic for a second and Team sure. Ameri- Team America. Um, listen, <clears throat> now... You know more about baseball than me. I'm putting you on the spot. We didn't prepare for this, but it just popped into my head. Now, I yeah. is this an outlandish statement that say in the last 10 years, I don't think there's a more underrated baseball player than Paul Goldschmidt? Interesting. Interesting. Look, he had his success in Arizona. He's been He's been doing great in St. Louis. But the issue with Goldschmidt... Um, and Arenado's kind of underrated, too. I mean, they just fall into the don't have postseason success. Mm-hmm. You think back to 2019, the Cardinals get to the NLCS. They're right there. They're knocking on the door. In comes Washington, an 88-win team. You're saying to yourself, here is St. Louis with home, home field advantage. This is their moment. This is where the Paul Goldschmidt you know, moment is going to come, and they get swept. So it's it's one of those things where until you have playoff success, rightfully or wrongfully, even Mike Trout, like there's an asterisk next to Mike Trout right now. Mm-hmm. Um, until you have that, eesh, it's it, it's going to stick with them. So Arash Madani joining us here coast to coast for Smart Investing Solutions. Back in the day, we were told, oh... The CFL better merger with the XFL. Oh, the four days, road, four, four day, four downs in the rock is the only way we survive. Coming, co- co- coming out of, coming out of COVID. If you smell, what the it was rock? the only way. Yeah. it was the only way. The league was going to fall. Yeah, remember? it was going to fall. It was oh, going to yeah. fall. We're dead. Flatline. CFL's done. Okay, so week one. Yeah, I like that horn. Week one, three point one two million viewed it yeah. last week 1.056 by my math and believe me math is not a prerequisite for broadcasting arash that's a yeah. two million dollar that's a two million viewer drop arash you're in the tv business that's not good that's uh, not good and, and what's the, what are they saying ballsy well it was up against march madness well guess what this weekend is March Madness, Madness again. Yeah. Sweet 16 Elite Eight weekend. Guess what the following weekend is? The Final Four. Guess what the weekend after that is? It's the Masters. And Major League Baseball is firing up, too. And then after that, you have the NBA playoffs, and on and on we can go. Look, there's a re- there are many reasons why spring football has not worked. There are a litany of reasons why spring football will not work to the tune of 3 million viewers. If they're okay with just being... Oh, but an afterthought in the sports conversation and that they're going to make a bunch of money off their gambling revenue because people, you know, like to gamble on football. Great. But, Balsy, football is fall. Football is August to February. That's the bottom line. And Americans, 
Canadians are not interested in football in March and April and May, let alone fledgling leagues where, you know, there's no identity to the franchises and the players. That's that's um, what I can't figure out, Arash. It's staring us right in the face. Everybody in the States, and even us Canadians that don't want to admit Canadian things are good. Oh, this XFL. Oh, this USFL. Oh, oh, oh. Three downs, motion, bigger field, bigger balls, better rules, better rules. Like, it's right here in your face. Just mark it. It's not just that. It's not just that. Like, this is what I find so amazing about it, is that who are the two quarterbacks from the CFL who have gone to spring football? Both, I think, USFL. Dakota Prukop and McLeod Bethel-Thompson. And upon signing, what did both of them say? Well, I'm not closing the door on the CFL quite yet. Yeah, like they're the they're the first ones to tell you I'm I'm not banking on this either. But for now, this is what I'm going to do. Um, you know, both for different reasons: one for family reasons, one per, for professional reasons, and you know, for a guy like Prukup to make a few bucks while he can as well. Um, look, I, I think if one of these spring leagues lasts, I don't know, six years, one of them, not both. It's a miracle. Um, they have a TV agreement for now. They have a little bit of backing for now. But as you and I have talked about for a long time, what do rich people, what, what, what makes rich people rich? Uh, not losing a ton they of money. They hate losing money. And lastly, speaking of money, this kind of flies under the radar a bit, but you're good at these stories. Canada Basketball announced a sponsorship for the front of their jerseys. Uh, talk about that for me. Well, so this is this is really interesting because we're coming out of COVID and a lot of these companies aren't spending a lot of money. But the Paris Olympics are next summer, like 2024. Mm-hmm. And basketball and soccer are the two biggest growth sports in Canada right now. And at a time where amateur sport is a little rocky in this country, uh, an insurance company, well, Sun Life, let's just say what it is, um, they're going to put their logos on the front of Canada's men's and women's national teams for the World Cups this summer, for the Olympic qualifiers, and the lead-up to Paris. And this is huge when it comes to providing funding for a development program for Canada. Because, Balzi, you and I have talked about it over the years. Outside the United States, the NBA is represented by no country more than Canada. Mm-hmm. But most players in the NBA outside the United States are represented by Canada. We are coming. We are there in a lot of ways. Shea Gilgis Alexander and Dylan Brooks and Jamal Murray and you know Lou Dort, on and on we can go. Um, now corporate Canada is starting to pay attention, and that can only mean good things for the grassroots level and the and the depth of a program moving forward. Arash Madani, great hit. We'll talk to you on Thursday, buddy. Looking forward to it, pal. That is uh, Smart Investing Solutions, sponsoring Coast to Coast with the great Arash Madani from Sportsnet. Zinger and I come back with a little more. Your text to 936-6262. It's the Sports Cage for Saskatchewan Lotteries on 620 CKRM. Time now for the Cage Clutch Performer on 620 CKRM. The pitch is hit to left center field. Hit very well, and it is off the wall. Otani flying around third, right behind him, scoring the winning run. 
championship. Been thinking about it for six years now. A moment in the World Baseball Classic he will never forget. A country that is going absolutely crazy in Japan. Munataka Murakami drives in the game-winning run for Team Japan last night and what was a Beautiful ball game to watch. Japan beats Mexico, and now Japan will play the United States of America tonight for the World Baseball Classic Championship. Who's going to be crowned the champion of the world? We'll find out in just a few hours. Munitaki Murakami, your sports cage clutch performer for Nick Service in Emerald Park. Your local Massey Ferguson challenger, Rogator Gleaner, and fan dealer. Give them a call at 781-1077. We're talking sports on your way home. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. It's awesome. Zinger, do it now in the public address voice. Do it in the public address voice. What was that guy's name again? Munataki Mirakami. Munataki Mirakami. I can't even do it again. (laughs) Macaroni. Macaroni. (laughs) I'm kidding. I took you. Munataki Mirakami. What did I just say a couple minutes? No, you're right. You're right. Good job, buddy. Good job. Awesome. You're a pro. Oh, man. Got this text from George and Pilot Beauty runs a rodeo out there. Kudos to Mason Nias for his decision. All the best in his future opportunities. We'll have the former U of S quarterback, Regina Bourne, Mason Nias, on the show tomorrow to talk about joining the UBC Thunderbirds coaching staff. He decided to go coach, teach, and coach youth sports football instead of continuing his pro career with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. So we'll talk to you about that tomorrow with him. Got this uh, on Twitter at The Real Ballsy. I just love it when at The Real Ballsy gets ranty about something. It brings great joy to my heart. That's from uh, <laughs> Catherine Kreitzer. Thanks, Catherine, for listening to the show. Me you can too. weigh in to 936-6262. I just want to rant a little bit. I did this yesterday. I'll do it just briefly here, okay? Yeah, let's do it. I am sick and tired of this experience Regina thing. Yeah. Now everybody's got to be involved in the decision. We're going to have to have 14 referendums and uh, this person needs to be heard and this person needs to be heard and what were they thinking and oh my god I'm so offended. Shut up. Just leave it alone. Like honest to God. I can see a- why people would be offended. I really do. Really? Why? Because there was a juvenile slogan. So what? You know what? They shouldn't have used that slogan. But we don't have to blow the whole thing up now. Now we're not even sure we're going to do Experience Regina. We're just going to, you know what? Just put a big sign on a billboard said, come to our city. Is that going to offend anybody? <laughs> come to our come city. Come to our city. Oh, is it a city? Which city are you referring to? I don't know. Is it White City? Is it Pilot Butte? Is it... Yeah, you know what? Just go lay in the corner in a fetal position with your thumb in your mouth, and I'll bubble wrap you so you don't get hurt. <laughs> God, people just drive me nuts. Can I have my Game Boy in the wrapping? Oh, it's crazy. Anyway, I want to get to this here. This is pretty good. So uh, first up on the docket here, um, there was a major upset in college wrestling last Friday when Purdue's oh. Matt Ramos <laughs> and Iowa Spencer Lee in the NCAA semifinal. Spencer was a three-time national champ, and no one took it worse than Spencer's mom, Kathy, who was so upset she wrecked her glasses. Here's the call and the end of it. Check this out.
goes to Purdue, has knocked off one of the greatest college wrestlers of all time. Spencer Lee's mom, Kathy, an alternate for the U.S. Olympic judo team, and her glasses did not survive that match. Oh, that's unfortunate to see. Yeah, it is. Uh, she, she karate can't... chopped her glasses yeah, she in twisted half. them into bits. She can't even see. That's right. It's unfortunate to see she can't see. And, of course, your March Madness office bracket is busted. But here's something even more fun to play at work. As your March Madness turned into March Sadness, workplace morale was high. Slacking off was easy. Good times. Until your bracket busted or the off days with no games. But don't worry. Get the new March Madness Office app filled with exciting office pools to play at work no matter what's happened with the actual tournament. Like March Katniss. Guess which one of your female co-workers has more cat pictures in her cubicle. And find out all the cat's names and add them to your bracket. Right, Mr. Whiskers? Or what about March Fatness? Guess which one of your co-workers keeps stealing people's lunch from the break room. Oh, not again! And the always fun March Gasness. Who stunk up the unisex bathroom? You know you want to blame one of the guys, but one of the girls in accounting did have Mexican for lunch today. The March Madness Office app. So many ways to get through the week until more basketball action hits. And we can all get back to doing what we do best. Not working. 432 with the sports ticker getting set for a big baseball game tonight. The World Baseball Classic Finals in Miami, Florida. It's the team... Uh, Japan versus the United States of America. I almost said Mexico. No, Japan won the game last night. Japan versus the States tonight. It's a 5 p.m. opening pitch. Saskatchewan time. And some sad news in the sports world. Hall of Famer and two-time NBA champion with the New York Knicks, Willis Reed, has passed away. He was 80 years old. The Sports Cage is your voice for football. Not only in the province, but around Canada. This is the Sports Cage CFL Report. A look at what's happening in our three-down game. On today's CFL Report, we go back to our conversation yesterday with Riders Offensive Coordinator Kelly Jeffrey. I asked him, why are you the right man for the job this season? Uh, One of the great things that happened to me is I've been a small college head coach with, uh, without a lot of, uh, you know, athletic personnel. And we had to find ways early on in my coaching career, uh, how to move the ball when, when we didn't have, you know, gifted receivers or talented backs, or maybe even a quarterback or, or even offensive linemen. You know, one of the, when I took over at Mount Allison university, uh, back in 2008, I think our right tackle was, 215 pounds and our right guard was 5'9", 240. And so um, you find out a lot about football and yourself on how we're going to move the ball uh, when you don't have horses at every position. And so um, that to me was uh, an, an incredible learning experience on how can we still move the ball? How can we get better? What are things we can do? And so I've grown up without, uh, in many instances, without CFL personnel. And so um, learning those things and how to move the ball with lesser talent uh, and coming to the CFL and being able to have now some guys that can fully implement the vision um, 
and I, I, I think that makes us uh, really explosive. It gives us an opportunity to, um, you know, do some things in terms of pushing the ball down the field and being creative with things. And uh, and I don't subscribe to all the, the offenses everybody else is running the CFL. If you've ever sat there and, and watched TV and, and thought everybody kind of runs a lot of similar stuff, um, we're going to do some different stuff. You're, you're going to have fun watching our offense. And uh, I know, you know, Saskatchewan football fans are the most educated there are out there in the CFL. And they know good football when they see it and, and when they don't. And so uh, I, I hope that we can display the fact uh, that we're going to go out and have some fun in terms of moving the ball and uh, having some explosive plays. Well, does training camp start tomorrow, Kelly? Because you got me jacked. I can't wait. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks for your time, man. I appreciate it. We'll see you at training camp, okay? Yep, can't wait, man. Thanks for having me. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Sports Cage. Now back to the action on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. And this Tuesday show on the Sports Cage brought to you by Saskatchewan Lotteries, the main fundraiser for over 12,000 sport, culture, and recreation groups. All our guests come to you via the Western Pizza Hotline, dinner time, game time, anytime. A great time to order Western Pizza. And it's a great time right now to talk to Steve Buchanan from DraftKings. How are you today, my friend? Hey, two of my favorite things, pizza and baseball. Let's do this. Let's do this, man. And let's talk about the meaningless World Baseball Classic. I'll tell you what, the fans have been into it in the parks and in the ratings. This thing is, uh, people are loving this thing. I, I could not agree more, too. This has just been so much fun to watch. You know, the people who are complaining about it, get out of here. You're, you're not, you don't even understand what you're missing here. Uh, an amazing matchup here in the finals, too, with Japan and the United States. And just the drama and the stage that has been set to get to this point has been remarkable. And I think in these later rounds, these teams have been so evenly matched that it just has really heightened the drama and heightened how fun these games have been. So I can't wait for this tonight. And I'm, I'm honestly, at the same time, I'm also very sad that this is ending because this has been phenomenal. Yeah, and if you're a traditionalist, at least for this year, enjoy this game because as far as I know, this will be the last game played under the old rules because they're not using the, the pitch clock and everything in this uh, tournament. Right, and it's been so drastic to watch like spring training games and then go to the the World Baseball Classic, which is you know like you mentioned is going by the old rules. But in a, in a way, I think actually it, it really has brought how much I like this too, because you know while the new rule changes are necessary to you know for um, all these games that we watch throughout the season for the World Baseball Classic, I just like the the general baseball feel that this has had, and it's really brought a lot of drama and a lot a lot of highlight worthy plays that we've seen online you know i like this tournament because it uh you know the casual fan watching will watch and see a player that is uh you know is a pretty uh mainstream player in major league baseball but maybe they don't watch regularly how about a rosarena out there in the in the field for the the uh mexican team what a showman and what a great player when he was uh, really coming up with the Rays, because, uh, you know, formerly he was with the Cardinals, and then he really started making for a name, name for himself with the Rays, he was really kind of uh, in the spotlight, too, for some of the late-season heroics he had with the Rays. And I feel like we're going through that again with him because he's been kind of quiet the past year and a half. You know, he's been has the, he's had some good plays and all, but he really hasn't had those those huge spotlight moments, and that's exactly what he had last night, making that unbelievable catch. The timing he had to make for that is was just absolutely impeccable 
And then that stare down. It wasn't he wasn't upset. He was just like he was probably couldn't believe it either that he just made such a huge play. It, it was awesome. But uh, it, it's a shame that they were eliminated last night because boy, is he a star when the uh, the lights are the friends. This guy's a frequent guest on MLB Network, and he's an MLB and NFL analyst for DraftKings. Steve Buchanan, you can follow him at sbuchanan24 on Twitter. He's a great follow. So tonight, we've got the team that won the first couple of World Baseball Classics in Japan against the uh, highly touted U.S. team. We could see, we could see Shohei Otani pitch to Mike Trout tonight because Otani said he'll bat and be a reliever. Yeah, and I, I'm looking forward to that, too. You know, just to see these two guys in meaningful games, right? Because the Angels yeah. have just gone nowhere. And to see these guys, to see, like, the jubilation on Mike Trout's face is something that we just haven't seen, really, since he's come up and, and blown through the minors and into the major leagues. It's been so awesome to see that. And it almost kind of really makes me feel like, you know, I hope that the Angels can really either do something or, or Mike Trout and Otani land on teams where they can succeed because – these guys have been so fun to watch, but how about this? When these guys are finally in the biggest games of their careers and their opponents. <laughs> yeah, no kidding, <laughs> no kidding. That one. That's great. And, so, uh, so what's the betting line know. tonight? What's the betting line tonight? Maybe a couple of interesting twists inside the game. Yeah, so this is pretty evenly matched. Uh, Team USA is the favorite in this one. Minus 130 on the money line on DraftKings Sportsbook. The over-under in this game. Is that 10 runs? I, I like the over in this one for sure. I mean, that American team, when you're batting Trey Turner ninth, and uh, yeah. when you have to consider all the guys that are hitting in front of him, like that you, that USA team is just an absolute offensive juggernaut. Their, their pitching leaves a little bit left to be desired. I think for the World Baseball Classic, their ERA is hovering a little below five. But, you know, Japan and USA were the two highest scoring teams in this World Baseball Classic, they're number one and number two ranked in run scored during this Classic. So you give me an over-under of just 10, I think the over is going to be a play in this one here. And then, of course, I'm going to be back in USA on the money line as well at minus 130. I do truly think that they're going to win this game because the talent they have in that lineup is just so scary and so crazy to see the names that are one through nine in that lineup. And like I mentioned, Trey Turner, who is the number one hitter in almost any other team, Betting ninth for USA, I think this is the USA is where you have to go for this one. Well, obviously, Steve, that's a good call. Hey, um, you know, I'm watching Paul Goldschmidt playing. We know Paul Goldschmidt's come on the scene, but in my opinion, in the last 10 years, one of the most underrated uh, baseball players. I, I, I'm with you here, too. And, and it's funny, too, because it's not like he's, you know, he just came up into the league. I mean, yeah. he came up in 2011 with the Arizona Diamondbacks. This is only his second team that he's been with when he joined the Cardinals back in 2019. But he's been having some of his best production over the past couple of years. Like, he's always been in that high 20s, low 30 home run range. But, you know, obviously winning the MVP last year with the Cardinals. Nolan Arenado, I mean, to be fair, was right there with him. You know, the three and four hitters on that team. But Goldsmith has always been such an excellent on-base guy. Like, always in the 350s or his on-base percentage. His slugging is up near 500 over every year. Uh, it, it's incredible to see, and especially when he's, you know, getting towards the wrong side of 30, right? Which is a weird thing to say because I'm 36. I don't feel that old, but Goldschmidt is 35, and, you know, he's quote-unquote on the wrong side of 30, and he's doing some of his best production right now, and that's what really is going to carry the Cardinals during the regular season is Goldschmidt and Arenado and then that pitching staff that they have. But 
I love watching Goldsmith. I would have loved to see him uh, in the American League at some point, but uh, he's been great with the Cardinals since they brought him on in 2019. Is there a favorite going into the Major League Baseball season that you're really confident in putting money on? Like one of the front runners, you're like, yeah, okay, I'll put money on these guys. I believe what I'm seeing. Yeah, you know, when you go to the Cy Young Award, um, I absolutely loved what I saw last year from Spencer Strider after he was called up for the Braves. And the strikeout potential that that guy has is just unbelievable. Like, it reminds me of somebody like Jacob deGrom. But, you know, the biggest knock on deGrom is that he struggles to stay on the field. and when But when he's healthy, he's one of the best guys. But you look at Spencer Strider, who right now has the, uh, I believe it's the sixth best odds to win the Cy Young Award for the National League. This is somebody who came up, started 20 games, 31 games altogether when you add in the relief uh, uh, outings as well, was striking out an average of just under 14 batters per nine innings. Like, wow. that is just an absurd number to think about. And on top of that, wasn't putting guys on base, wasn't giving up a lot of home runs. Like, this guy just had it all. Can he replicate that in his sophomore season this year? That is something that we'll have to see, but... Just looking at what I saw last year and the way that he dominated and the way that he was missing bats on a consistent basis, and this kid's, what, only 24 years old? I mean, look, I know it's early in his career, but I think he's a pretty solid saw young candidate before the season begins here. A lot of Jays fans uh, listening to this program, and uh, I saw on your Twitter feed talking about Alec Manoa's velocity. Should we, should we as Jays fans be concerned about that? I think it's something to watch. I don't think it's something that we need to kind of go and be like concerned about overall, but there was kind of near the end of the season, Manoa definitely seemed like he was tailing off a bit. And, you know, that can happen to some of these young kids when they come up. Uh, Shane McClanahan with the Rays, that's another perfect example. He was absolutely dominating in the first half of that season after the All-Star break. Quite frankly, he kind of really started at the All-Star game, really kind of the tail off. We saw a little bit with that with Manoa, in the uh, early months of August. He was great in September, but August had a little bit of, of a bump there. I'm not concerned about this just yet, but I think it is something to look at because, again, there's so much going on this spring training. This spring training has just been unprecedented with all the rule changes and the pitch clock and guys having to adapt and, you know, hurry up and how much they work and, and all that. There's a lot to be going on and, and to take into consideration. But when you're getting a dip in velocity and it's consistently sitting in that zone, you know, that definitely can be something that you have to keep an eye on because you don't want to see that progressively go down more and more because that obviously usually means that something is wrong. But I hope not because Manoa came up a couple of years ago. I loved his stuff. I love his passion. I love what he brings on the mound. You know, I'm a big Red Sox fan, so, you know, that's not somebody I want to say publicly that I love so much, but I love everything that he brings to the mound. And I just hope this is something in spring training that can be uh, changed when the regular season comes around. Is there one rule more than the other that is going to affect the betting line? Like which rule, pitch clock, uh, that type of thing, which one will affect the betting line more, do you think? I think the, the, the bigger base is actually going to come into play because stolen bases could really see a massive spike this year. Uh, there weren't many teams that were stealing on a consistent basis. Like the stolen base was almost like a dying art, it felt like. There was a handful of guys who would steal – you know, 20, 30 bases now, whereas, you know, in, in older years, we'd have a number of guys who would do that. I think we're going to see a lot more steals moving forward. And when you look at betting lines, you're always going to get, you know, for a stolen base, half a base, right? Like, that's always usually what it's set at. It's half a base because you're not going to get more than that. 
But if teams are going to be running a lot more because this is really going to allow them to do that, we might start seeing those one-and-a-half stolen bases that are put on a nightly basis for guys like, you know, Trey Turner or Adalberto Mondesi when he's healthy or even like guys like a Rosarena. There was only uh, eight teams last year that sold over 100 bases for the entire year. Wow. I think that's really going to change this year moving forward. I think there's going to be a lot of teams that are going to be running a lot more. The Cleveland Guardians are a great example. Last year, they had three guys on their team with, with at least 20 stolen bases. No other team was even in that realm. So I think we're going to see a lot more stolen bases moving forward. And that could shift that line from, you know, half a stolen base for a game. Maybe we start seeing some one, one and a half moving forward. This has been Steve Buchanan, an MLB and NFL analyst over at DraftKings. You can check him out on Twitter. He's a great follow at SBuchanan24. Thanks for your time, man. Hey, anytime. Thanks for having me on. You're listening to the radio home of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Well, today Canada played two at the World Women's Curling Championship in Switzerland. Uh, they fell 4-2 to the Swiss to drop the 4-2, but improved the 5-2, beating lowly New Zealand 10-4. So... Uh, Canada's 5-2 and two now at the World Women's Curling Championship. Zinger, let's get to one of these. For another pick six with Ballsy and friends as they give their take on six sports topics of the day. Number one, when Shohei Otani reached second base after hitting a leadoff double in the bottom of the ninth, he immediately looked at the crowd and waved his arms in a rare sign of emotion as if he knew what was coming next. Otani's clutch hit sparked a late rally, and moments later, Munataka Mirakami delivered a walk-off two-run double to lift Japan over Mexico and into the World Baseball Classic final. Now, the dream matchup of Shohei pitching against his Angels teammate Mike Trout could become a reality if we get into a pinch. You see, Otani's going to bat but he's also going to be out of the bullpen as a reliever. So if it comes down to it, we could uh, see Shohei versus Mike Trout. Stay tuned for that one. Going to be a great game. Number two in the pick six. Never shut off an Edmonton Oilers game. They're very explosive and fun to watch. Kind of like the Golden State Warriors were in the NBA a few years back. Matthias Ekholm, the big Viking, the Swede, the best trade deadline pickup so far. This defensive defenseman had two big goals for the Oilers last night, including a huge bomb at the bottom of the circles. James Reimer must have been wet in his jockstrap when the big Viking with the beard came in, took the shot off the left side and put a top shelf where Zing hides when it's time to do the chores. That's right. Oilers beat the Sharks, uh, but they're not going to beat the Kings in round one with defense like that. They better have, have a Stuart Skinner be healthy in that too because Jack Soupy Campbell, well, his play is making me sick to my stomach for the Oilers. Number three on the pick six. Speaking of goaltenders, former Kamloops Blazer Dylan Ferguson made 48 saves in his first career start, and the Sens held off the Penguins to snap a five-game losing skid 2-1. Pittsburgh is looking real old right now. If they get in, they'll be done early. Uh, Ottawa sits six points out of a playoff spot with uh, 12 games left. 
and Fergalicious in net. He has played for 11-team Zinger across four leagues since 2017. So that was a great uh, great night for him, man, in net against Malkin. He's the Josh Crosby. Johnson of NHL. There you go. There you go. Except he's more accomplished. All right. Yeah, that's true. Let's get to the next on the pick six. Number four, the team that secretly went from Baltimore to Indianapolis 39 years ago in the dead of winter and the dead of night with the, was it the Mayflower semis pulling out of town? Well, Turnabout could be fair play. Apparently, the Indianapolis Colts are looking at stealing something from Baltimore, like their franchise quarterback. They're looking at offering him a big offer sheet, and they've got a wacky owner just enough to do that. What do you think? The sweetest revenge always takes the longest amount of time. Maybe. 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 That's what I'm talking about. I think they have the fourth overall pick, the Colts. They could take that unproven Anthony Richardson for a cheaper contract, or they they should probably go out. After Lamar, and I can't really see Lamar going back to the Ravens. Can you? No, it's done. I just don't picture him in a Colts uni, though. Can like, you? I don't, I don't know. know. How about giving him though a short, a short guaranteed deal, like maybe something for like 130 million over three years or something like that. Anything would be better than what they got from Matt Ryan last year. Oh, you got guaranteed. that right. Here, actually, here before we get to number five, here are their quarterbacks since Andrew Luck retired: hmm. Jacoby Brissett. Brian Hoyer, Philip Rivers, Carson Wentz, Matt Ryan, Sam Ellinger, and Nick Foles. So he would be an upgrade. He so would be an upgrade. A Loris disposal full of quarterbacks. <laughs> That's right. Hey, how about this guy, number five in the pick six as you hit it? Former NFL quarterback Cam Newton, a Heisman Trophy winner at Auburn, is throwing today. I don't know if it's been done or not, but he's throwing at their pro day. He posted a video yesterday where he's laughing, saying, tell me how these randoms keep getting jobs. Don't worry about it. I'm going to show you. I can't wait to show you. A smiling Newton ended the video with his football in hand. Ain't 32 quarterbacks better than me. I say great athlete, just an okay quarterback, kind of like Lamar Jackson, if you want to ask me. And and we were going through this earlier, Zinger. Who who would take him as a starting quarterback right now? He might be better than Davis Mills, okay, of the Houston Texans. Yeah, he may- might be better than Zach Wilson of the Jets, but he's not going to be the starter much longer. A-Rod's going to be the starter. Yeah. Matt Ryan last year he yeah, was but he's garbage. not a starter now. He's not a starter Is he better anymore. than Gardner Minshew in Indy? Maybe. Uh, maybe Marcus Sports Talk lives here. Welcome to another hour of the Sports Cage with your host Michael Ball. Here with Mike Kelly from the NHL Network, a regular contributor and we're happy he's on. So Mike, I I I, I don't know why I do this. I I'm an Edmonton Oilers fan all the way back to when I was 9, 10 years old. Uh, you shouldn't shut off Gretzky games, and you shouldn't shut off games involving McDavid and Dreisaitl, but I got mad. You're losing to lowly San Jose. I'm going to bed. And then I wake up, and it's a wild finish. The 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 moral of the story is don't shut off the Edmonton Oilers early. Uh, yeah, that's right. And if you're playing against them, don't count them out early either. Not, not that that's what San Jose did, but... Um... You just never know with that team, right? They've got a historic power play that's over 30% right now. It could end up being the best power play of all time um, if they stay where they're at. And they've got the best offense in the league. And you're playing against a Sharks team where uh, an average team can put up a few goals in a period, let alone the Oilers. So, yeah, that's uh, that's the game that, you know, was never over until it's over. And that, that overtime was great with, with Darnell Nurse flying down the right side and, uh, and scoring an exciting game. And, 
You know, the thing about Edmonton in that game, they put 35 shots on net. That alone, you know, was a pretty good game for anyone. 35 shots on net from the slot. Yeah. The most by any team in a game all year, beating their own previous best, which was 30. Crazy. Hey, I'll tell you what. Uh, I'm a little biased, but I've. you could maybe correct me. I can't think of a better deadline acquisition than Matthias Ekholm. And he's supposed to be a defensive defenseman. Man, he was dropping bombs. He's What a beautiful goal. He had two last night, but that bullet to tie the game. Yeah, no, he's, he's, that's the thing with Ekholm, right? And I, I talked about this when they got him. Because, um, you know, maybe Oilers fans don't pay a huge amount of attention to him. Uh, previously, but he skates really well. Like he's easily top 50 among, you know, defensemen that play a lot of minutes in terms of skating the puck out, skating it in, getting it through the neutral zone, uh, possessing it in the offensive zone. You're top 50 in the league in, in kind of those areas. That's, that's significant. Um, and he can shoot it. So yeah, he's, he's got more dimensions to his game than just that puck moving. And I think that's where. You know, the Oilers did something really interesting. I, I still maintain, and I thought that Chikrin was the best fit for them, um, although you can look at what Ekholm's been doing and say maybe that's not true. What Ekholm brings is what they really wanted, which was a puck-moving D, but he also brings more defensively than some of the other guys that were out there. So in terms of a total package... Uh, that's that's a great addition. I'll tell you what, the Kings have made some great additions. Gavrikov and the goalie Corpusalo, NHL best seven zero and two. Wouldn't that be a juicy first round matchup again? Last year, the Oilers, oh. the Oilers barely got by, and they didn't even have Drew Doughty playing for them. That's going to be a slobber knocker. It would be, it would be my favorite matchup possible. Um, and you know, Tampa Toronto is going to happen, and it'll be great for obvious reasons. You know, Devils Rangers could happen. That would be great for obvious reasons. But I am in the minority among hockey fans, maybe because I, I work, uh, you know, this for a living. But I, I really like good defensive hockey, and I respect it. And the Kings do it as well as anybody. And then you juxtapo- juxtapose, uh, yeah, that's the right word, <laughs> that with uh, the Oilers having this historic, tremendous offense in McDavid, and it, it's the best contrast you've asked for. So, yeah, last year it was 3-2 Kings leading in the series, and McGavin and Drysaddle not doing a ton, and then they explode the last two games. Um, but LA's even better defensively this year, and it's Kopitar and Deneau down the middle, and it's McGavin and Drysaddle, and then it's all the rest of it, too. It, it would be awesome to watch. Yeah, it is going to be uh, interesting to see if they do match up. Tell you what, the Carolina Hurricanes... Uh, as soon as I saw this, I'm like, whoa, uh, Svechnikov is out. And just tell us how big a blow that is to Carolina. Yeah, it's big. I mean, they're, they're a team that creates offense kind of by committee. It's, it's not like they lean on anybody. Um, uh, so Svechnikov, like I think Aho's their best player. He's yeah. certainly their best forward. Svechnikov's their most dynamic offensive forward. And it's a team that, you know, they dump it out more than anyone. They dump it in more than anyone. They they possess the puck less than anyone in terms of it just being on their stick. It's not a bad thing given the way they play. They're so aggressive hunting pucks everywhere to create offense, second chances, third chances. Um, and they do get it by committee offensively. So you lose your most dynamic goal scorer, that's, that's a tough blow. And, you know, they, they scored enough and beat Philly recently, but, you know, most teams can beat Philly. Toronto gave them... A tough time, um, and then you go back a few few games before that, and they were shut out in back-to-back uh, games as well. Shut out 
and, and one goal before as well. So one goal in three games in a stretch. It's a team that needs guys that can score. So they've got the Rangers tonight. They've got the Rangers again uh, on Thursday. And New York's given them a lot of trouble with its speed this season. So that's what I'll be watching in this game tonight is can Carolina handle the Rangers' speed. Is Pittsburgh just getting old, Mike? Yeah, that's part of it. Um, they've been so inconsistent, and you know what? They, they're, they're missing a lot of key defense. Like Marcus Peterson being out, you know, LTIR, is, is a, he's been their best defenseman in a lot of ways, uh, is huge. They're already missing a few guys. Um, that, to me, has been the biggest thing. The inconsistent goaltending has been a problem. And then, yeah, you can talk about age, just not – not having the right fits in their certainly their top nine, but really their whole forward group. And they've and Ricard Raquel's been amazing for them this season. But we know what Malkin and Crosby are doing. They've been fantastic. Gensel's doing his thing. Rust has had a down year, and you know they bring in Granlin. I never liked that move from the minute they made it. And uh, and you just start going down the list, and there's just there's holes. And, and when there's not holes, there's square pegs and round holes. Mm-hmm. And you add it all up, and it's. Uh, I still think they might get in, but you know, getting in isn't the goal for that team. Um, and I don't see how they have a hope, uh, certainly against the top three teams in the Metro, let alone the top three teams in the Atlantic. Lastly, help me figure out this team. When Paul Maurice left the Winnipeg Jets, I thought, well, if Paul Maurice can't make it work, I don't know who can make it work because I like Paul Maurice. I think he's a great coach, very smart guy. Um, he, you know, I, I took him as far as I could take him, basically, is what he said, uh, not word for word, but paraphrasing. Rick Bonus comes in, they're rolling, and now they're, it's like they don't want a playoff spot. Nobody seems to want that last playoff spot. Are the Jets playing below their potential, or is this kind of the Jets? Like, this is them. I think they're playing below their potential. And it's been, you know, disappointing because I, I watch, at the start of the year, you know, you watch the way they're playing. They improved so much defensively. Like, Hellebuck's the rock star goalie. We know yeah, that. Yeah. We know they can score. Um, and, and under Paul Maurice, and I, I certainly can't speak for him, but he, he effectively said he didn't think you could get more out of the group and it was time for a new voice, right? That team was so poor defensively, um, certainly in, in the last couple of years he was there. Hellebuck had saved their bacon a lot, but they still, you know, they, they didn't come out on the right side of it often enough. Um, they got so much better defensively this year. I talked to a coach in Winnipeg about it. He said, you know, the biggest thing is the players are buying into what we're selling them, what we're teaching them, and the players bought in. And, you know, a lot of the games recently I've watched them play, and I'm like, you know what, they're – they played a fine game, but they made these couple critical mistakes and it ended up on the back of their net. Like a game against Boston um, Thursday last week, they, they lost 3 nothing. They played the Bruins basically even. They played a good game against the best team in the league. And they made, really on two of the goals, one empty netter, but on the two goals, they made critical mistakes. And Boston-type teams don't make those kind of mistakes where you're turning a puck over in the neutral zone. It's going back the other way. Um, you're, you're wildly missing an assignment in front of your net, leaving a guy wide open. So that's kind of crept into the game a little bit. And, and lately they've been having trouble scoring too. So, um, you know, I, I thought they could really contend for the division title and, and be a player, but uh, they're going to need to play a lot better going down the stretch if they're going to make that happen. Always love this guy. Joining us, Mike Kelly from the NHL Network. Thanks for your time, man. I appreciate it. Enjoy the games tonight. Oh, I, you too. always like chatting with you, and uh, we'll do it again. Saskatchewan's best coverage of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders is on the sports cage. Right here on the Mighty 620 CKRM.
This Tuesday show brought to you by Sask Lottery. the main fundraiser for over 12,000 sport, culture, and recreation groups. The number one show to listen for football in this country is right here. Okay? And not just the Rough Riders. Tomorrow already on the show, we got Hall of Famer John Bowman, D-line coach for the BC Lions, joining us. We are going to hear from Jason Moss and Danny Machoch. They had a media availability today, and we'll hear that audio tomorrow. We're also going to hear... From Jake Weineke of your Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Little one-on-one after 5 o'clock. Former rider Lance Fraser joins us tomorrow. Where are they now? Wednesday. And we're going to hear from the voice of the Toronto Blue Jays on the radio, Ben Wagner, for his weekly Around the Horn segment. And Mike Reagan, who's coaching the Flin Flon Bombers tonight against the Estevan Bruins in Game 3 of their first-round series. Zinger? Looking forward to hearing from Lance, man. Number yeah. 15. Zinger? Zinger, <laughs> points to the sky. Zinger, uh, what show has it covered from pillar to post? The sports cage there on you 620 go. CKRM. And that guy right there talking, Zinger's a big part, big reason why. He was sitting in the dungeon today recording all this audio. <laughs> I really was. The, he it was. was. Fun. It was great. The Grey Cup champion Toronto Argonauts. Still weird to say, man, but when they get to the Grey Cup, they always win it, it seems. Uh, they won here in our home turf November 20th, I believe, wasn't it? Yep. It was November 20th here, 2022. They beat the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And say that again. Say that again. Beat the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. One, one more time. Yeah. <laughs> they beat the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. <laughs> the only thing I like in Winnipeg to do with the Blue Bombers, really the only two things are Richie Hall and Patrick Newfeld. Can you think of anybody else there on that team? No, they got okay unis. That's about it. But Yeah, that, I'll give them that. We got nice unis. Stadium isn't as good as ours. Nice. That stadium sucks. They don't even have a talk show in town, the talk CFL football. IG Field sucks. Embarrassing. Okay, so, but but this guy here did a great job keeping that grease fire team, the Argos. They were a grease fire. Guys are fighting on the sidelines, uh, and their season really turned around in the Atlantic-Canada game. They were circling the drain. We were, uh, we were just coming off the Garrett Marino thing. Look, Cody, I remember Luke and I blurting out, this is the best Cody has looked. Wah, wah, wah. Serves up the interception of Winton McManus, and it's all over. Argos go that way, riders go that way. And uh, Ryan Dinwiddie gets a lot of credit. Zinger has the audio from his media availability today. Starting quarterback, how insulated do you think your perspective number one needs to be in other words with a backup well I, I think we got some guys in the building right now we feel could be you know solid backups and, and potential starting quarterbacks to push chad uh we're going to look to add you know maybe one or two more guys and we got on our radar we made some phone calls so uh we just feel like you know we got some youth there and um you know some guys that have experience not necessarily cfl experience but guys that have experience playing other football leagues that uh you know, done some good things, and we feel like we got a chance to be successful with the young quarterback. Uh, lots of player movement, Ryan, this offseason, as there often is, but a lot of quarterback changes. Um, just wondering, your team aside, who's won the offseason, or at the very least, whose moves do you find most intriguing? No, I think, you know, you know, BC's done a good job as far as, you know, establishing their quarterback room with two, you know, quality quarterbacks. I thought that was a, a great move by them. Oh, I think, you know, you look at, you know, Winnipeg getting all their guys back as well. Uh, I thought we, we got most of our guys back that we wanted. Um, but, you know, I think there, there's, you know, movement each year, and you really don't have that answer till the, you know, the end of the season. So uh, we'll see. I think, you know, obviously, you know, McLeod decided to, to hang it up in the CFL. Uh, we feel good about Chad. Uh, we might have went that direction either way. So 
but it's, it's still an unknown story. We'll, we'll find out. The next question is from Dan Ralph. Please go ahead, Dan. Thank you, gentlemen. Um, one of one for each. Uh, I'll start with Vince. Going into the uh, the combine, what are you looking for, and what sort of traits in a player are you hoping to see? Yeah, I'll I'll go in reverse order. I mean, obviously, right off the bat, being able to see these guys up close, um, especially now in this elongated format, uh, as opposed to what what it's normally been. Um, the athletic traits are definitely something that that we're going to keep an eye on. Um, I think the biggest thing for us is you know the draft isn't you know, a two, three month process. It's a, it's a full year process. And in some instances, even longer, right? We've been watching the, these players for years. Um, we've seen them up close in practices, but we've been watching them on film for, for longer. So to go into an environment like this, to see them up close, to see their athletic traits, to be able to sit down and interview them, um, just watch their mannerisms um, and see how it marries to the film that we've already watched and evaluated. I think that's the biggest thing we're looking for is consistency on everything, right? So if we see something that doesn't necessarily line up with, with the film we've already watched and evaluated, it, it gives us an opportunity to go back and, and look at why, right? Did a guy run a really good 40 time, but he looks slow on tape? Okay, we're going to go back and, and look at why or, or vice versa. I think that's the biggest thing for us. And, and, you know, this new format as well, being able to, you know, traditionally guys will go through the testing and then they'll do a handful of one-on-ones and, and that's it, right? To see them in this environment now having, I think it's three days of practice, they'll be on the field five or six times, right? You'll get to see the competitive aspect of the players as well. You'll see if guys can stack good days together. You know, can they be consistent? You know, do, do they have a poor first day and can they rebound? Are guys just going to dominate for, for three, four days straight? It's going to add an interesting wrinkle to this process that we normally go through, but that's that's kind of where our focus is. And Ryan, I'm wondering, as, as a coach, when you have the opportunity two or three days to actually coach young men, do you look at them and sort of see how much of what you're telling them they grasp? what they see what their strengths are and what they what they sort of need to to maybe work on at the next level well yeah i think you can you know get a gauge of you know their football you know iq where they're at there um i like to see them compete uh you know and just see that in person and kind of you know confirm some of the stuff that you you see on tape i love watching the film i don't think the film ever lies but uh, i like the the personal interviews as well um really see the character of each player kind of you know, their makeup, you know, uh, who they are as a person, you know, what do they want to get out of this football, you know, experience. And, you, you know, you, I mean, really, I mean, the interview for me personally, I think that really solidifies some of these guys in our mind. And, and um, if they're going to be in Argo or we feel comfortable bringing them in the building. Next question is from Frank. Go ahead, Frank. Okay, gentlemen, uh, what's becoming very, I don't know, it seems to be a trend that's been going the past 10, 10 or so years where players gravitate to go back home. Part of the draft, we worry about the NFL. And then you were talking about, Vince, about paying attention above you and below you. Don't you have to also worry, not worry, but think sideways where there's players that may want to come back home? And how impactful is that and important it is to every Canadian Football League team? But from your perspective, how does that fit into your thinking? I think it plays a part. I know, you know, you look back the last few years, especially in 2020, when we started overhauling the roster after a poor 2019 season uh, we made a concerted effort to, to bring guys home um, and keep guys local and, and we want to build continuity you know we're never going to take what we feel is a is a lesser player just because they happen to be from Toronto at the, at the end of the day we're still trying to build the best football team we can but at the same time I mean if, if it's close and, and there is a chance that you can get a guy and keep him in your building long term and build that 
sustainable future and build that continuity. I think that's something that you're always looking at, not just in the draft, but even free agency, right? You know, that's especially being in the GTA where a lot of talent is located. You know, I think that's definitely a, a tool in your toolkit uh, to use when it comes to recruiting and free agency. But I think in the draft, it's definitely a discussion. But again, like we've also had success drafting guys from from out west or, or from Quebec. And we're, we're never going to overlook the best player just because of geography. But it's definitely something that, that is in our minds when we go through the process. 531 with your sports ticker for Busy Bee Overhead. Busy Bee will repair or replace your residential or commercial garage door so you don't get stuck in or out. Catch the buzz. Busy Bee Doors, the garage door specialists. All right, World Baseball Classic Final. It's underway. Japan taking on the United States of America. Japan is considered the home team in the game, so they are wearing their white jerseys, white pants, blue hats. The United States of America, they are wearing their blue jerseys, blue hats, gray pants, and we are in the bottom of the first inning now. And let me tell you, those Japanese pitchers, they could sure pitch a baseball. Paul Goldschmidt went down three straight strikes, painting the black on the corner, so we are underway from uh, Miami. It's going to be an interesting game to watch tonight. Let's head ringside and check in with the oldest major junior hockey team in Canada. This is Pat Chats from your official voice of the Regina Pats, 620 CKRM. Pat Chat is brought to you by the Canadian Brew House. Get free eats, deals, and prizes when you download the free Canadian Brewhouse app from Google Play or the App Store. The Pats are coming off two wins in three games on the weekend, solidifying their spot in the playoffs. It looks like they're on a collision course with Saskatoon in round one. Pats assistant coach Brad Haroff says it's not easy to win, especially for a young bunch. Well, you know, winning's a tough thing, and a lot of times you got to learn to win, and we got too much youth in this team to go through a playoff experience. Obviously, Connor's probably not going to be here next year, so we got to start winning, having winning habits now and playing the right way. Um, something we've been preaching all year long um, with our guys, and uh, they've seen the result in the last few weeks, and we haven't had wins. We should, they tried playing their way. They tried outscoring the problems, and it got shoved right back in our face after we won seven in a row. Um, so we showed video. We showed the reasons we're losing, and I think they just... <laughs> Hopefully, like you said, we're finally buying into the message we're trying to sell because when we do, we can become successful against most teams. Nobody covers your team like our team. This is the Sports Cage on the Mighty 620 CKRM. Every time Saskatchewan gets in second alone, they've been bringing Glenn Suter up on the outside. Sometimes they blitz him, sometimes they don't. But when he's blitzed, he's had success. And it's picked up by Suter, he runs it out of bounds. It's time for press coverage as former Ryder greats and veteran CFL football broadcaster Glenn Suter shares his unique and passionate perspective about the league we love with Ryder Nation. Got to freshen that up, Zinger. Not only with clips, but to the fact that he's not a veteran CFL broadcaster. He's a Hall of Fame CFL broadcaster. Glenn Suter joining us on the Western Pizza Hotline. Dinner time, game time, anytime. A great time to order Western Pizza. Thanks for joining me, Suits. Uh, first off, we're getting set for the Combine coming down here this week in Edmonton. They've changed it up a bit. Uh, five days, I think, is what it is. Now, I, um, I wanted your... Uh, 
expertise. I've never been in a combine. What kind of advice would you give to an athlete listening to this, getting ready for the combine? Because we've got a handful of Rams and Huskies going to this thing. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think they just need to uh, take full advantage, be excited, show great energy. Um, you know, like uh, the the interview process is going to be as important as the testing. I, you know, I I think testing is way overrated anyway. So I wouldn't say that. I don't want any young prospects to think they don't need to give everything they've got when it comes to the testing portion of of any of these camps but um i i I honestly believe that coaches put way too much emphasis on you know for a 40 time for instance when a defensive back never ever starts a play out of a three-point stance or a track stance never really (laughs) really really what what is a what is a 40 time represent for anybody but possibly a wide receiver and guess what they don't start from a track stance either two schools of thought on that number one and i'll let you respond and then i got something else jason claremont was never the fastest guy but if there's a football in the air, Jason Claremont's bringing it down eight times out of ten. He's running under a football, so that that speaks to your point right there. Yeah, yeah, Railguard. I don't. I think his forty time was forever. But he, <laughs> you know, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, it it didn't matter because he could run past people, beat up people, run through people, uh, and was a Hall of Fame guy. So you know, I, I just, I, I it's, to me, it's important to take a look at how you know each player is and how you know what type of shape they're in when you see them for the first time coming out of college and then for instance if you draft them then mm-hmm. you want to also measure that against what you see when they come to training camp to make sure that they're working every day to make sure they're in the best possible shape they can be in i, I don't even think that you have to coach kids to do that anymore. It, you used to have to coach kids. Now you just say, hey, if you don't show up ready to go, mm-hmm. you're not going to make the team. Yeah, they know that pretty, for sure. Tony Siragusa said, uh, and I saw, if you get a chance, the 30 for 30, the Bullies of Baltimore, it's the last one that came out, and they they shot it a month before he died. But uh, they're they're telling stories on the stage, and, and Billick, uh, Brian Billick, the coach, said, hey, Go, you're going to run a 40. And he's like, Coach, look at me. If I have to run over five <laughs> yards, we're losing. <laughs> exactly. Uh, well, hey, listen, I remember, Michael, I remember in, in a testing period one time, Ray Elgard lying on the bench press. And, you know, I used to take pride in the bench press and, and, and test it out pretty well there. Because you know what I gave up in in lack of speed, I could make up in strength. That's that was my mindset anyway. But um, for Elgard, he he would lie on the bench, and with basically the entire team in the weight room and the coaches getting ready to count how many reps he could bench at two twenty five, he'd do one, put it on the rack, and say, "That's it. That's it for me, guys. Thank you." And and when a coach, especially a young coach that really didn't know Ray, when he would come up and say, "Well, no, no, you you that you could do way more. Let's go. You could, this is a test. Everyone's doing it." And he go, "Nope. If you don't like it, you can cut me if you want." But yeah. I, I've never seen a bench press catch a touchdown pass. 
I'll be good when I get out there. Yeah, it's it's crazy. That is outstanding. Glad Suter joining us here for uh, press coverage. Um, all right, so uh, I'm going to bring up a bunch of topics that I had wanted to get to a, a while back, and I think we should address it now. I had Kelly Jeffrey on the show yesterday, yeah, the, the offensive yeah. coordinator. Zinger and I left both of us uh when we shut the mics off, we're like, I'm pumped for the season. I even said it on the air. I wish training camp starts tomorrow. I A lot of people, at, at the start, it was like, oh, he's their sixth choice, and oh my gosh. And we've talked about that already. But I'm excited to see. He's, he's guaranteeing an explosive offense, something that you won't see like other offenses. So I'm looking forward to that. I am too, and I listened to that entire interview while you did it live with with Kelly Jeffrey um, and was very impressed, very impressed with, uh, you know, what I I could hear in his voice was going to be great collaboration with the quarterback room, first of all, and the importance of, of having all of his quarterbacks feel real comfortable with the, the approach that they're going to take. You know, sometimes you hear old school in coaches that step into an interview and say, well, you know, this is what I've been running and we're going to have our guy run this offense. And, and you wonder about that, especially today with athletes that, you know, they need to be part of the process. They need to understand not just that you've told them what to do, but also the why, uh, you know, as to why you want them to do it and, and how it can break down in defense and to understand it from its very core. So I heard that in Kelly's voice. I, I thought that, that sounds like a guy who is ready to collaborate with a veteran quarterback and and put together an offense that works best for him but is also part of his style. And then I also love the messaging. And from a bigger picture, Michael, this is exactly I, – I was like, yes, when I heard Kelly Jeffrey say, we're going to have a wide-open, put-it-in-the-end-zone, wide-open scoring offense, and we're going to score points. I mean, now – if, if you're going to criticize that approach and say, well, you don't want to be overconfident and you don't want to get billboard material, no. Message because you believe it. You believe that's exactly what this offense is going to look like, that they're going to be a little bit unconventional from maybe what you've seen in the past with CFL offenses. Love that, too. And we're going to attack and put points on the board. And I thought, nice. Message. And then make it happen. I like. The, uh, I love his approach. I like the fact that he mentioned, and I thought this too last year. If you've got a Ferrari and it's the summertime, take it out more than once or twice a day if you can. You got Mario Alford. You got the Ferrari. You're not taking him to the grocery store, as Kelly said. But let's get him out there and use him a little more in offense. Yeah, that's and that's what I kind of meant about two collaboration that. He, he he mentioned, you know, that you want to obviously be careful with overworking a guy that's going to be your number one returner. But at the same time, when you have that Ferrari, take it out, get him the ball, find out ways to put the ball in your playmaker's hands. And, I, you know, I think sometimes offensive coordinators, and I'm not blaming anyone or talking about anyone in particular here, but sometimes you'll see them get caught in a rut where they're, looking at what the defense has presented over the last four or five weeks against other opponents and against them in previous games, and they start to game plan to try to beat this particular defense, and they get very sort of vanilla, very kind of uh, predictable in their play calling. Whereas it sounds like to me Kelly Jeffries taking a bit of a different approach. He's going to collaborate with his players. He's going to look and see what do you do best 
and how can I get you the ball in that scenario? I, that, to me, is a guy who's trying to build an offense based on the talent that he's going to be given as opposed to run his offense and hope that the talent can figure it out. I, I think there's a difference there. Uh, Glenn, now I, you had a much smaller coaching staff. We talked about that before. I talked about that with you and Jeff Fairholm recently. Um, so I don't remember if your coordinator was up or down. But are you a fan of your coordinator being down on the field? I am. And Kelly kind of hinted that he'll be down on the sideline. Then he, you know, if you're up in the booth, a guy might be getting his hamstring rubbed or something, and you can't get him right away to the phone. I am of uh, be right in the moment, be there. How about you for your coordinator? Yeah, for me personally, it didn't. It didn't really matter one way or another. I mean, I, I didn't need the pep talk on the sideline, but at the same time, there are players that enjoy that. They like to come off and feel the energy of their coordinator right there as they as they discuss the next series. I think it's important, um, though, Glenn. I think it's more important for the OC to be downstairs, though. Yeah, you know, I, I again, I, I do. I agree with you. In if if one thing happens, the guy that is upstairs that is communicating to the OC to me then has to be trusted completely. In other words, they have to be in sync, seeing the exact same thing, so that they can take advantage. Here's here's when when I loved it, and you know, being a a free safety, as you know, your son is probably in the same position as being a free safety. You have to call the defenses, call the checks. You get the signals from the from the sideline or you know from the coordinator wherever he is, and then you're you're a big part of the game plan during the week leading up to it because you have to be to know the checks. So when when I felt that we had the best advantage in the defensive huddle was when. I knew that a play was being called that would take advantage of what we're seeing. Sometimes when you're out there in the field, it feels like you're standing in the middle of a freeway and the cars are flying by and you're trying to figure out why, why aren't they throwing 10 yard, you know, curl routes all game long and moving it down the field? Like how, how are we not stopping this? And you can't, that's what coaches bring to the table. They look at it and they go, okay, here's the issue we're having and here's what kind of defense we can do. We can play to stop it. And when we get that call from the sideline, we all felt this 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 great overwhelming feel of, feeling of confidence to say, okay, yeah, this is what it was. It's like this green light comes on mm-hmm. in your head, and you go, oh, yes, exactly. So, if the guy upstairs is trusted and sees the game the exact same way as the coordinator, then I would rather have the coordinator on the on the sideline. But if the guy upstairs is really young is learning the game but is unsure and not at the level of the coordinator, then having the coordinator be able to see the big picture and be able to call the defenses accordingly, to me, is is very valuable. One more question with Glenn Suter before our first break here in press coverage for Quality Tire with nine locations in Saskatchewan. Serve you. Check them out at qualitytire.ca. Uh, Coach Jeffrey uh, said Trevor Harris is a is a coach on the field. Jason Shivers talked about Micah Johnson being a coach on the field. Glenn, how big a deal is it to have a Micah Johnson, a Trevor Harris, an Eddie Davis, a Richie Hall back in your time that can convey the coach's message in real time and be a coach on the field? Well, I'm not sure that if there's coaches listening right now, they're going to want to hear this, but it's it's not only that, Michael, but it's also that they can change plays with great confidence. So Eddie, Eddie Davis were, did that all the time. It, it bugged yeah. Echeverry, but then Echeverry gave into it. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. And Ted Heath was our defensive coordinator at Grey Cup time, and, and Richie Hall and I would be able to, in the huddle, make changes to calls at times. Now, sometimes, because I was responsible for the checks, I would I would mislead the coaches that I didn't get the signal. I'll, I'll call it misleading and not lying to them. But I, yeah. I would come to the sideline, Michael, and basically say, no, sorry, coach, you didn't see the call at times when they were getting frustrated that maybe we were calling too much. Now, the problem with it is you've got to have guys in the huddle that are not calling it for selfish reasons because that happens where, you know, a defensive back wants to go on a halfback blitz or something. So call this defense, call this defense, and he lobbies for it because he wants to blitz. Well, you have to have the right guy. Richie Hall was the right guy in our our huddle to be able to say, this defense will work better. Let's play this man coverage so that we can get Bobby one-on-one and I know what came in from the sideline, but let's change it. And I would go, yeah, if you feel it, let's do it. And I look at Bobby, what do you think? Let's go. Okay, so we, we change it. So, you know, I, I think, again, I, I heard in Kelly Jeffrey in that interview, again, that great collaboration where if Trevor Harris is in the middle of a game on second and 10 and a call comes in and he just decides to wave it off, I don't think Kelly Jeffrey's going to have any problem with that. You know, as a player, though, the play one, you want to make it work now. You want to make it work. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Hey, we're going to be back to uh, get to our second segment here on our uh, segment of the show called Press Coverage for Quality Tire here on 620 CKRM. This Day in Sports History brought to you by Capital Ford Lincoln on the corner of Rochdale and Pasqua. March 21st, 1953. One of the worst NBA games in history takes place between Boston and Syracuse as a record 106 fouls were called and 12 players were fouled out. And on this day in 1959, Cal beats West Virginia and Jerry West to win the NCAA basketball title. It's time to step into the radio octagon. You're tuned to the Sports Cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. Quality Tire sponsoring press coverage with Hall of Fame broadcaster, Ryder Plaza of Honor Safety, Glenn Suter. QualityTire.ca is where you check them out online. They've got nine locations across Saskatchewan. Continuing our conversation with Suits, I got this text from uh, Jeff. He said, Jeff, or uh, sorry, Weineke, Jake Weineke, uh, joining the Rough Riders. Uh, how intrigued are you by this signing, Glenn? Well, I, I'm, uh, you know, I think Ryder fans should be excited about it. You know, and uh, I, I wouldn't worry about the, you know, the big season and then the season that doesn't quite match the big season. And you know, there's there's ups and downs in, in seasons for different reasons, especially if you're a receiver that's solely dependent on the quarterback getting you the ball and um, and that's not to blame the quarterback situation at the time in Montreal it's just uh, it's just sometimes you know it's the numbers aren't exactly there but I would have no concerns what I like about him is he's a long strider can run all the routes you know a big target he's got great reach great hands and um, you know and, and he's, he's in that wheelhouse he's in that uh, you know there's this there's this balancing act that goes on for athletes that when they're really young they're they're inexperienced and they have to become experienced but they have such great enthusiasm and and jump in their step and then as they lose that jump as they get older 
then that wisdom kicks in and that experience kicks in and then you become that player that you think you can be and there's a window in there where they both are sort of together you still have the great jump but now you've got enough experience to really make it happen and you know it's different for everybody but I think Jake Winicky is right in that spot right now where his his youth is still there, but his experience is now at a level where he can really, really excel. What's very interesting, uh, and I don't know if it's been talked about enough, yes, he is a veteran quarterback. Uh, he's seen it all, but he's coming to a new place with a new offensive coordinator. It's very important that he has some familiarity with with some of his guys, and you couple that with the culture thing. So you got Trevor Harris, who's a good locker room guy. He's got a a guy in Jake Weineke that he's familiar with, and a guy in Walker, Darrell Walker, that he's familiar with. I think that'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Provided all three of those make it onto the roster, which I'm assuming at least two of the three will for sure. Yeah, and, and you know, Michael, the the thing about Trevor too that I just, um, you know, I I think it's it's overlooked. I, I think people will probably say, ah, oh, that's that's no big deal. That's kind of like what every athlete does. But you know, when you when you become uh, a veteran player in pros, and you're and you're a guy who's continually putting up enough numbers to be a top free agent guy or a guy that you want to get signed back to your team. It's easy to slip into, um, you know, I'll just keep doing what I'm doing because it's, it's kept me in the league and it's kept me successful. And now I just have to win the great cup kind of thing. And, and that pursuit will continue. What I'm saying is Trevor is, has talked about working with different quarterback coaches, different throwing instructors, different, uh, mechanics guys. Like he is constantly. Every time I interview him on Zoom throughout the season, getting ready for games for TSN, he is constantly telling about his his mental approach to the game and how he's trying to perfect it and find new ways to, uh, you know, to get different perspectives to look at the game and to improve his overall play. And I, I know people go, well, every pro is like that. Well, it, not really, not really. And and Trevor to be the veteran he is and to still be trying to search out new ways to improve is a is it is huge I, I i'm really looking forward to his season i you know i think he's he's poised to have a good one world baseball classic one nothing for the united states over um um japan and it was a, a home run from trey turner uh, i know we do this uh amateur wise where canada plays the u.s and they're in mexico could we ever have a world football classic where where we could have the the it doesn't necessarily have to be yeah just have to be Canadian maybe Canadian Football League players but you know what I mean do you think we could have something like that on a world stage because it's really the rest of the world's eating up this world baseball classic absolutely flag football world championship and and all the pros can be in it so put together your best American team we'll put together our best Canadian team flag football let's go yeah I, I I, I love the idea. It's it's a, it's about when you do it, how you can ensure it, especially for guys playing in the NFL that you know would want to play in an international event, even if it was maybe an Olympic event. But you know, I think if you played it at the amateur level first, maybe juniors, and then and then college level too. You know, there there is there is junior football national championships 
under 18 and things like that. And Canada does very well, by the way, in an mm-hmm. international stage with the Americans in it. Yeah, it does. Uh, Mirakama hit a home run, so we're now tied at one, Japan and the United States. Last question from uh, for you from Dale. Dale said, Glenn, number one, I'm a little concerned about the rider's safety position. What's the number one trait you need to be a good safety in the CFL from Dale? Well, I think you got to play from the shoulders up. I mean, you know, they'll they'll be athletic because everyone at the pro level is. So, you know, speed and range and and uh, you know the the want to factor when it comes to making open field tackles. That's that's one of the challenging aspects of playing for safety is is that when it comes time for you to make an open field tackle, that means that the running back or receiver has gone through the D-line, through the linebacking core, and now has a 65-yard wide field and you between him and the goal line. So that that's where you have to be, you know, that's where the athleticism comes in. But to me, it's most important to be a great teammate because you're there in a lot of defenses. Not everyone, but a lot of defenses. You're there to help your halfbacks and your short side corner more than ever, but sometimes the entire secondary. You're there to call the plays. You're there to make sure everyone's lined up right. You're there to make it make sure that all the checks are made correctly and that you're helping those halfbacks so that they could take their game to another level. Because that may be one of the most the most difficult jobs in sports is to play halfback in Canadian football. Because you got unlimited motion, receivers go on full speed, tons of field each way. You can't use the sideline to aid your coverage technique. So it's kind of just one-on-one mental mess. So if the safety can let those guys play some games, jump inside and outside, be physical in a jam to, to play bump and run, that kind of thing, then that safety has to be unselfish and sit back there and say, I'm here for you guys if you get beat deep. And if that doesn't happen all game, it can be a slow game for a free safety. But that's, that's very important to be a great teammate and make the right calls and get guys lined up right. Glenn, thanks for this. And as my son's secondary coach told him, the, as a safety, there's no such thing as a bad tackle. Just get him on the ground. <laughs> get him on the ground. Because if you don't, they're, they're playing the fight song. That's right. <laughs> hey, man, thanks for your time. I appreciate it. Okay, thanks. Thanks, Michael. We'll talk to him on Thursday. He'd be the great Glenn Suter. That'll do it for the show. Tomorrow, we got John Bowman, the Hall of Famer, BC Lions, a D-line coach. Jake Weineke, the guy we were talking about, is going to yeah. join us. We'll also hear from Lance Frazier in our Where Are They Now Wednesday and Mike Reagan, coach of the Flynn Flon Bombers. So much to get to. What's the score of the updated score? 1-1. One, Bottom two. U.S. and Japan. Go home and watch a dinger. Enjoy it. We'll be back tomorrow with the Sports Cage here on your voice of Saskatchewan 620 CKRM. Today's Sports Cage has come to a close. Miss a segment? Download or stream the podcast now at sportscage.ca. Get your sports straight from the source. 620 CKRM.